0: Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek adventures live play with the StreamPunks and friends. Um, you might notice that we're remote tonight, and that's because Jake is currently trying to clear the meth lab out of out of the Q Time Studio. Um, you're you're apparently not supposed to do that. Uh, so, Jake, I'm let's sorry, go. I left it. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, we're sorry, Jake. We told Gina not to do that. What um, kind of
1: crafting are you doing over there, Gina?
0: We're, we're seeing seeing it. It. <laughs> so fed up with it. So, we have a couple of people listening tonight. So, I asked good friend uh, Davinette and, and Cynthia Marie to come join us tonight. So, they will be here uh, playing some pretty nifty new characters. Before we jump into announcements, though, um, I want to, I, I'm going to try not to get emotional as I am- announce this. But four years ago tonight, I walked into stage two with my Admiral coat on and sat in the GM's chair for the very first time to run a game called Shield of Tomorrow. And it was the first time I got to sat, sit down at the GM's chair and run a Star Trek adventure for all these kooky kids um and i gotta say it's been a hell of a journey i wanted to wish everybody ox crew a happy four years of telling star trek stories of the stream punks thank you for all of your support back when we were the uss sally ride thank you so much for all of your support for us tonight as the uss ross um i can't believe it's been four years but it popped up and i just kind of stared at my memories going how 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 but there it is um so that was the first announcement i had for tonight uh second announcement upcoming show announcements we do have some show announcements coming this month from the stream punks however the one that's relevant is this saturday at 11:30 a.m pst is the first of our three-part alien colonial marines game that we played uh it's pre-taped so you can look forward to seeing us pop into Uh, chat during that stream and probably lament some of the terrible things we said to each other, but also celebrate them. I regret um, nothing. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. We were Colonial Marines. Um, I do want to take a moment here uh, to invite everybody to come see it. I do want to tell you that it's not run by me. It's run by our good friend Matt Jowett of Free League Publishing's Twitch channel. And it is not a stream punk story. (laughs) You're used to seeing a lot of us do like Hope Punk and stuff like that, Matt took us on a gritty Colonial Marines Alien Death Spiral. <laughs> so you're going to see a story that you you don't typically and won't typically see from the Stream Punks. Um, it was a lot of fun. There will be disclaimers, content disclaimers uh, for everybody, but just giving everyone a heads up now, it's going to be unlike something you typically see us do. So if you're really curious, if you're really morbidly curious, definitely come check it out. That's going to be on Q Times this Saturday at 1130 AM PST. Um... The other thing I have to announce is uh, we're going to have some new merch items popping up in the store. I can't give too many more details because we're in the process of getting that set up, but definitely keep your eye on the StreamPug store because that's going to be popping up pretty soon. And also, thank you to everyone who's been uh, supporting us through the store. Uh, we just opened the store. We're just figuring out how to do this. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, and also uh, thank you because uh, you know we're watching we're watching what's moving and. Uh, thank you (laughs) thank you very much uh, for all your support we hope you guys are liking the shirts I particularly love my our corporation is bullshit mug thanks to Sam DeLev Um, so a nice little throwback to Callisto 6 there and let's see the other big announcement that I have for the show is there will be no clear skies next week on the 12th Q Time Studio is going dark because Jake needs a freaking vacation
2: dark skies
0: dark skies
3: Jake he needs
2: a vacation. We are, we are, we are proud of Jake for taking a vacation.
3: <laughs> yes. Just we're, to we're, you call, we're calling one evening a vacation. I just want to be clear. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are y'all lying. Of America. Y'all are lying. It's not even a vacation.
0: <laughs> what is it? Next. I you were... No, next week is for work. It's September. I'm taking a vacation. <laughs> oh, you suck. you need <laughs> not council approved. Need... Yeah, n- never mind. Never mind. All right. So, Jake. Q time studio will be dark because Jake is still working for the man um, so we will uh, hopefully we'll get some stuff going in September where Jake can finally take some time off uh, in which case Jake I'm, I'm sad that you chose the very thing that that gives you a living um, over us so I'm really sad about that but I'll let it go this once I swear to God um, okay the last announcement I have is a personal announcement on Saturday at 5 p.m. I get stupid with Pack. come watch, that's my pitch. All right, who else has got announcements?
4: I think you should probably mention. uh... Should I?
0: It's kind of a spoiler, but if y'all didn't see this past episode, we had someone join the cast and I don't wanna give it away who it was. If you've been watching the socials, you probably already figured it out, but you might see some familiar faces and that's all I'm gonna say, that's all I'm gonna say. All right, who else would like to make an announcement? Anybody got something? Oh my God, Uh, we'll go with Bonnie.
1: Okay, mine is the same, but all you folks out in New York City, Saturday night, I am there singing Jim Steinman and Meatloaf songs. Come to the cutting room. It's at the cutting room at, I believe the show starts at eight o'clock. The doors open at seven. We're doing a full like 90 minute rock concert. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, Very uh, safe. Uh, You have to show proof of vaccination. Um, I believe, you know, uh, masks, are also uh, required. I do believe so. There, there's gonna be a film crew shooting the whole concert as well for, I think, a TV show. I'm not quite sure what is happening. I'm just there singing. They just told me to show up. So I'm gonna be there. Come hear me sing meatloaf, not the food, the music. Aww. Okay. It's gonna be fun.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, Bonnie. Uh, Gina, what you got?
5: Uh, Tomorrow, 5 p.m., Go to the Good Time Society. The lovely Becca Scott is running a Calyx campaign and I'm going to be on it and I'm really excited. I just made the character today and I'm really happy
2: about (laughs) it. I love her, I love
5: her. She's an (laughs) archeologist. She's great.
0: Is Pixel Circus still up and going?
2: Yeah, every Friday
5: that's still a thing, but that's not a new announcement. If you want to see me doing funny D&D with a lot of really, 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 really funny people, including... The summer of a Bria.
0: <laughs> Come watch
5: Fridays on the Pixel Circus.
0: Right on. All right, Aki, what you got?
2: Uh, tomorrow, uh, IndieCade Twitch, uh, we're doing the final part of Bluebeard's Bride. Uh, we have like a really awesome group doing that. It's been a real wild, wild time. I've been having a lot of fun with it, though. Uh, and then, of course, on Wednesday night, we are playing a new game for all games, no masters. We're going to be doing Goblin Quest, which is Max Isaacson's pick. So, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. We're going to just play a bunch of trash goblins.
3: Yeah. David Nett, you got something? Weirdly, I do. I didn't raise my hand at first because I don't normally, but I'm actually sure. playing in a, a charity game for ODND, um supporting a charity, this charity called Simply Cats on the 16th. Um, it's on uh, OD&D's channel. Um, you can find on my Twitter. Uh, David Net, and other people uh, about it. Um, so I've got that coming up. And on the 15th, I'm going to be signing at um, uh, Geeky T's uh, in Burbank. Uh, the new book, uh, Mystic Libations, which is a RPG-themed uh, cocktail book that I did a bunch of game mechanics writing for. So, nice. Yeah, I, I have things. That's awesome. You have things. Uh, speaking of which, as a quick sidebar, if
0: you want to go and celebrate shield of tomorrow geeky Tees is the place to go uh i donated both set pieces as well as my gm stand to donna over at geeky Tees, and she built a star trek room around it so you can go and see the old set pieces of shield of tomorrow on the wall fully lit um, there's a door that looks like the door to a cargo bay, and then my GM stand that was used on Callisto Six and Shield of Tomorrow is there uh, with tea samples, waiting for you to check them out. <laughs> so I just saw it today. Yeah, oh, it's it's. I got pretty I got pretty emotional seeing it, but it's pretty great. So, uh, so yeah, check that out. Um, Cynthia Marie, I, I I don't know how much you can announce because the stuff you do has NDAs all over it. But La by Night got announced <laughs> for that, yeah. didn't it? Yeah.
6: It did, yeah, yeah. So, we're coming back for season five. Um, I play Nellie G, if you guys didn't know, on LA by Night. Um, yeah, we're coming back to season five. Um, there are a couple of things yet that I can't announce. Um, I am also on Outbreak Undead. Um, so you guys could check that out if you guys like zombie kind of craziness. Um, otherwise, I honestly don't have as much cool stuff as everybody else because I have taken a break from things, um, and taking care of my mental health. So, anybody who likes mental health stuff, like, yeah, that I'm um, taking care of me. Uh, But I'm really happy to be here. I love Star Trek. I've been watching it, like, nonstop for the last, like, four and a half weeks while I was working. So I'm just excited to be here with (laughs) (laughs) y'all.
0: Yes, and to invoke, off of what Cynthia said, to invoke an old catchphrase from Shield of Tomorrow, go to sickbay. Always go to sickbay. (laughs) Good things happen.
5: And... Go to counseling.
0: Go to counseling. That's the clear skies hashtag. Go to counseling.
5: No, when Xander was counselor.
0: Oh, was oh, that's right. Yeah, Tristan. That's yeah. right. Got on, he, I still accidentally call Xander Tristan sometimes. Even out of Every game single before.
4: character. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. It's At true. some point but or another. I don't know why. I slip up with Xander all the time. I have no idea why. But there it is. So, all right. I live with, I
1: live with him and I call him Tristan sometimes. And that's, that's weird. Fair.
0: That's fair. Um... Alright, unless anybody has anything else they'd like to announce, if nobody else has anything else, we can go ahead and jump into tonight's game. Uh, yes, Sam DeLev.
4: This is, I would like to announce, my first time playing with either Cynthia or David Nett, my very, very, very lovely friend. And I'm just very, 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 very excited. And I know that that's supposed to be the other thing, but I realized I had another announcement, yep. Um, which is, um. In addition to this being a shield anniversary, today's my ninth chair anniversary. Welcome, ninth
0: chair anniversary. Long
4: may we ride.
0: <laughs> Sweet. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Good on day. that note, I would never have met you as a friend, like faced, like in the studio. We would if it was not for David Ned. Yep. And who knows? Who knows what alternate, what dark alternate reality that would have been.
4: You all know whom you can blame, and he's right here today. Mm
0: -hmm. David Nett. Please direct all
4: your comments to him in chat and on his Twitter, at David
0: Nett. If you have a problem with stream punks, blame it on David Nett. All all I did was invite you to Geek and Sundry. You're the one who stayed there. And the rest is history. Then I said, Sam, you want to come play Star Wars? I just met you. You want to come play Star Wars? And here we are. (laughs) So. Thank you for
5: bringing my multiverse life partner to me. (laughs)
0: To all of us, see that's how you endear the. That's how you endear somebody to the internet. You say Sam Delev. This person's <laughs> responsible for bringing us Sam Delev.
3: Bam. Um, it's, it's why I, my presence is so low key. Otherwise, I've done with this one good thing. If I just shut up, then everything'll be fine. We're <laughs> playing
4: for good kitties on the internet this week. Things are as they should be. Now let's go to space.
0: Let's go to space. Let's jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to go ahead and jump right into our ship's log slash recap of last episode. Having captured the pirate, Nyren Jal, and uncovered the mystery of this planet, you guys have developed quite the, let's say... The USS Ross has kicked in the door of the Alpha Quadrant and declared her presence rather loudly by not only stopping pirates from nabbing uh, nabbing dominion technology that it was sitting on planet side, you also had first contact with a brand new life form that turned out to be an entire planet and developed a vaccine to save people from the untoward side effects of the air spores. They were accidentally killing folks on said planet after the environmental systems failed. Y'all have had a hell of a 48 hours in the Alpha Quadrant ever since your flight out here. Your journey to Starbase 621 was eventful to say the least. That was two and a half weeks ago. For the past two and a half weeks, you arrived at Starbase 621 and were immediately given your assignment to report to Cardassia Prime for negotiations regarding war reparations now this is like the 50th round of these negotiations so at this point it's becoming something of just like oh again okay like the federation it's not making the federation news waves the way it for, once did when this discussions began it's just a sidebar at the bottom of the federation newspapers uh oh yeah this is still going on so anyway here are the scores from yesterday's game is kind of the attitude however the importance for those of you who are in the ufp it cannot, be, it cannot be understated. These are reparations specifically regarding Cardassia. Cardassia Prime and the other main homeworlds of what is left of the Cardassian Empire. As you know, the founder, the head of the Dominion, the one she was giving all of the orders... Ordered the destruction and slaughter, the wholesale slaughter of the Cardassian people when the betrayal of the Cardassian Empire became apparent during the last great battle of the Dominion War. Millions of Cardassians were killed in orbitable bombardments and nuclear blasts. It was was genocide. The Cardassian people endured and survived. And ever since then, six plus years ago, the Federation has been rebuilding the damage the Dominion has done, and the Dominion has been using its extraordinary economic power that it has on its side of the galaxy to engage in reparations, war reparations, with the various governments of the Alpha and Beta Quadrants. But today, where we're starting off is two weeks into the negotiations, a wrap-up of war reparation negotiations specifically for the Cardassian people. This has been a really hot bed. This has been a really hot button rather topic. And the Ross being the flagship, the diplomatic flagship of the Federation, you've all been frontlining this. Now, as it may not be making the UFP news waves, it is certainly making the news waves here across Cardassian space and Klingon space and Romulan Space from the from intelligence reports. The rest of the galaxy is talking about this. Um, there is a representative from Bajor here as well. Um, there, but the, the prominent ambassador that is with you all right now is uh the well, I shouldn't say ambassador, but the the Cardassian that you have all been interacting with is still Ellen Garrick, who has established a rapport with uh, Olin Majanil. And Elam has conducted himself with remarkable restraint. Over the course of the past two weeks at the negotiation table, which, by the way, takes place on board the USS Ross, is not because the Cardassian government refused to have any member of the Dominion set foot on the soil of Cardassia Prime ever again. The Federation's intervention in allowing the USS Ross to be the negotiation platform was the concession that was made in order to host this negotiation. The promenade and all the facilities that the USS Ross has been built for are finally coming into a major play here. And it has been grueling. And as I said, Olin, Garrick's restraint is remarkable. You have gotten a first-hand look at how much of a fuck you he hides behind that smile every time he talks to people he doesn't like. And conducts himself quite well at the negotiation table. But this has been no picnic for you either, Olin. Because that first day, when everyone came into the negotiation table on board the USS Ross, in a ceremony dressed in flag... in, in full dress uniforms, the bridge crew assembled to greet everyone, the Everyone who was coming in, uh, the, the dignitaries that were arriving, you saw when that turbo lift door opened the face of a Vorta that you were hoping you would never see again. Nadron is apparently the negotiator on behalf of the Dominion. At least. You were thinking it's the same Nodron, but it's hard to say. It could be another Nodron, knowing how the Vorda work. However, Iklat Etlan is also in attendance and is currently serving as the bodyguard for this (laughs) Nodron. So, for for those of you all who do not remember, I'll give a quick recap, and then we can jump into gameplay. Iklat Etlan was the jim hadar soldier that was answering to a higher power during that one very dangerous mission you all had in the shackleton expanse involving capturing a wayward changeling that was still kind of waging a bit of a guerrilla war outside of her jurisdiction when y'all captured her you discovered that eklat itlan was acting on behalf of a changeling named odo and it was sent to the Shackleton Expanse under a founder's orders and did not obey the direct orders of the Vorta that he was serving under. So he became kind of a crew favorite <laughs> because of how he conducted himself and because he didn't take any shit from the Vorta either once the mission had been uh, exposed. And also, side note, Olin, it's also appreciated that uh, after your assault on the ambassador, <laughs> uh, Iklot Itlan did not move to protect the Vorda at all. (laughs) And in fact, rather chastised the Vorda for provoking you and not getting out of the way when hot liquid was being sprayed at his face from a teacup. Um, That being said, you guys have not been able to have any kind of reconnected conversations with him. It's been all business. However, that's starting to wind down. At this point, the negotiations are procedurals. So, before we jump right into the RP... Let's do some roles, real quick, Olin. We're going to find out how negotiations have been going and where they are at right now. So we're going to do two roles, um, And rather than make this an extended task, we'll just keep this quite simple into social combat. Given that you are here... Um, you know what? I have an idea. When we were developing uh, one of our guest's players, uh, their PCs tonight... I specifically gave them a skill, a skill focus that would come in handy here, so, on that note, Lieutenant Dial Dahl is a Betazoid and a Skilled Counselor and Negotiator. She has, if I remember correctly, Arbitration as a focus. So. Here's what I'm going to do, Cynthia, I'm going to throw you right in. I'm going to say, I'm going to set a difficulty. And audience, by the way, if you are not familiar with Star Trek Adventures, tonight's going to be a good night for you because neither Cynthia or David have actually played Star Trek Adventures. So this is going to be a fun introduction to the game for everybody. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the difficulty for this first roll at a four, which is a rough thing to set it at when you guys don't have any momentum yet. Of course, you can take complications and gain momentum should you choose. <laughs> but here's how this works you're gonna take a single d20 and you're gonna go onto your character sheet and you're going to, Cynthia, what you're gonna do is you see your presence. You're going to add your presence to your command ability and that'll give you a 14. Uh
4: huh.
0: What you want to do when you roll a d20 is you want to roll that number or lower. Now, that means you want to roll a 14 or lower on your d20. If you roll a 1 in D&D, you'd be crying. But in Star Trek Adventures, that's a crit. If you roll a 1, you've crit. It counts as two successes. I know it's bizarre. Believe me. Um, but because you have a focus that comes into play here normally you would be able to use that to increase your critical hit range so here i'm just going to give you this as a quick rule you see how your command says it's three you have a three in command yep so normally if you roll a one it's a critical hit but since you have a focus and you have a three in command it would be a one two or three would be a critical hit you see how that works
6: yeah that's exciting
0: yeah so here's how it's going to work this time. I'm not trying to confuse you, but you're going to be assisting Olin Majanil on this role. And assisting works very straightforward. So Olin, this is going to be a presence command check for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you like to roll? Do you have any focuses? I'm sure you do. I mean, I, mean,
2: I have I have diplomacy and negotiation. Yep. There's uh, your focus. That'll work. Um, I'm trying to decide. So I might end up, depending on how I roll, end up using my bargain talent,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: which will allow me to reroll a d20 during a social conflict. Excellent. So I'm I'm holding that one. I also have a dedicated focus in diplomacy as one of my talents.
3: So okay. I so believe then, yes.
2: that allows me to add a die. Let me check what dedicated focus does. Um, sorry, I'm looking through the talent sheet right now. No worries. Uh, So much stuff. So much stuff. Actually, there's a faster way to do this, and I don't know why I'm doing it.
0: Also, feel free to use one of your values here.
2: Yeah, I'm... This place. each do 20 generates two successes, but also generates a bonus momentum. So- Oh, sweetness. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna be using my dedicated focus in uh, diplomacy as one of my talents for this.
0: Okay, so. so go ahead and you make your roll first and then I'll have Cynthia roll.
2: Um. And then do yourself. I want to burn the value this soon? Um, Four successes is kind of a big you deal. You got four successes? I have it, no, four, oh, needing oh. four successes is kind of a yeah. big deal, okay. so. And I'm nervous. I'm scared of my dice. Uh, I mean, I have the value spreading peace and cooperation lifts us all up.
0: I mean, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that would absolutely that would absolutely apply here. Yes. All
2: right, so I'm going to go ahead and burn that and give myself two auto successes. You
0: got two auto successes.
2: And then I'm using focuses and the talent. So this is oh, roll
0: number one. There's going to be two.
2: Here we go. We. <sighs> Okay, cool. What'd you roll? I rolled a five and a four, so that's four successes just on the die.
0: Okay. Uh, So uh, that
2: gives me six successes all by myself. Uh, Actually, and then even more than that because I'm using my dedicated photos. so I actually got eight successes on my own. And (laughs) then, yeah, because each success generates two successes. So that's actually eight success, sorry, two, one success, so Sorry. Well, One, two, so three, be- four, five, six, seven, eight from me.
0: So, real quick, that's not gonna. That'll apply to your successes that you rolled, but not your eight. determination success. Your yeah. auto successes. It was. It yeah, was. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. It was. So. Okay, cool. My dice together are six successes. Mm-hmm. Then my right. my my value, which is two additional successes. So that's eight.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. That's awesome. All right. In that case, Lieutenant Dahl, if you would please roll. A and D20, we get two
2: moments. And roll
0: moment. fourteen or lower, yeah. And tell me what you get.
4: And a success from Ross as well. Uh, per, the I
2: got challenge. a five. That's right. <laughs> Yay! That's a success. <laughs> so
0: Ross, okay. So it sounds me. So how many successes total? You got one from Nine. Ross. Nine. Oh, and ten. Ten successes. Ten successes. <laughs> okay.
1: Negotiations so, are going great, look, y'all.
0: Look, let's be honest. When this ship was designed, it was for this. We've barely been able to have the Ross hyper-focus on getting this kind of junk done, and here we are. 10 successes for the first weeks of negotiation. Um, with the help of Lieutenant Dahl, the Betazoid, who has come out of the Counseling Department and has introduced her ability in arbitration. Um, also, also, it's worth noting Lieutenant Dahl has focuses in Starfleet history, Federation law and politics as well as Dining Etiquette. So, it's actually done, gone quite well.
2: We also have seven momentum from that I was gonna
0: say, you have seven momentum. So here's what I'm (laughs) gonna do. Your second roll, reflecting the first week of success, the second roll, I'm gonna reduce the difficulty down to three because of your successes, your incredible successes. Um, However, I'm going to spend, get ready for this. I'm gonna spend four momentum or rather, for threat. For, and I'm going to give you, at the start of this game, both you and Lieutenant Dahl are going to start with two points of stress on your character sheets. And if y'all want to know what that is, it's basically your hit points. <laughs> and that is literally to reflect the grueling, non-stop, constant, eight-hour meetings that you have been having in negotiations for two weeks.
1: Come to sick bay. Um, I'll make you some tea. It's okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> y'all are going to need some downtime. So, um, so I'm going to spend four threat out of my pool tonight to to auto damage y'all on these rolls. However, go ahead and roll one more time, Olin, and we'll see how the second week, where we are right now, when we start the game, where we're at. And then, Lieutenant Dahl, I'll have you do the same thing.
1: Here you go. That's
2: Uh, mm, I mean, that's good enough. That's two successes from me.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's one from Roll. Which means,
2: uh, sorry, two successes from me, which means actually four successes from me.
0: Okay. Four successes. Uh, So go ahead, Lieutenant Dahl, make that roll again and roll 14 or lower.
2: I rolled it (laughs) too. Holy
0: shit. So that's six successes <laughs> nice okay so six successes out of a difficulty of three so three additional momentum which isn't really going to play too much a role here but um if you want actually you can spin those to create advantages
4: yes
0: and yes. what i mean by those is you can actually with with the with the overflow of momentum you have all gained you can spend those the, the overflow on six specifically To create an advantage. In other words, you, the players, get to create a piece of narrative that I now have to make true. So, how well has it been going? Can you say that you've gotten a time to have a conversation with Iklat Itlan? Do you want to have a one on one? Do you want to, do you know what I mean? Like, you can make up with that, with all that bonus momentum, what y'all would like to start with in the first scene. Uh,
4: I think something. I think, what do y'all think about something to the effect of uh, local goodwill? Uh, Because uh, for our new players, these advantages we can invoke to reduce the difficulty of uh, future checks. Uh, So Um, in terms of something that is invocable, but also related to the frankly monstrous social roles that we have seen on display already this evening. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Just the notion that in the process of this, uh, our team has not only been efficacious, uh, but also been, uh, making, uh, making friends and influencing people, I believe it goes. Does that um, sound good to folks?
3: That sounds fantastic. I think uh, it's buying okay. into that, into that story point, um, my character, Lieutenant Vernik, who haven't, haven't met yet, it may have been, may uh, discovered somehow that, uh, his father and mother were both, both important, uh, diplomats. Um, at the end of the uh, Kardashian-Bajoran conflict um, and advocated for uh, <laughs> uh, Kardashian going met. into the Dominion War. Um, I have probably so met your parents. Entirely possibly. Uh, ambassadors, uh, Galsh was my father. He died during that period, assassinated and Ambassador uh, Behrends was my mother who stepped up and took his place. Um, so Ooh. while that was some time ago, potentially some people would have known that I was his their son and that might have helped with that goodwill.
0: You could, that would definitely, you could, you could absolutely invoke that. You could also invoke Jane LaCat. Yep. Um, yeah, th- both of those would be good choices.
5: I like it. We have an air of awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's um, what
4: I'm putting on the sheet. Local Goodwill is, is nice for invocables, but I like air of awesome a little better. Whether or not Jane (laughs) would have wanted to be invoked is the question. I think there's actual, um, this is perhaps an artifact of character over the past two weeks that certainly Sol would bring up with Olin, but, and and LeCat, but perhaps not incredibly prominently, like one, I don't want to parade LeCat around. That Mm. seems cheap. But to, given what I definitely don't know about her background, because there's no need for me to know such things, it's possible she might prefer to lay low in these mm-hmm. kind of circumstances..
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, so I think that might be what Sol has uh, counseled her toward.
0: So to fill y'all in, uh, Cynthia and David, Jane LeCat is played by Ravidi Domse, who is one of the cast members not here tonight. She plays a Cardassian science officer. In our world, she is the first Cardassian to serve in Starfleet. So, um, probably has made some noise, uh, the arrival of the USS Ross, some good noise, planet side. Um, you know, I, I will pose this. Why don't we start it off with this? Um, I'm going to start, while, while all these negotiations are happening and while these roles are coming to manifestation, the first scene of the night is actually going to be a chirp at your ready room door, Captain. Come in. The door slides open and Commander Yuri Prawl steps in. And says, Captain, can I have a moment with you?
4: Certainly, Commander. What can I do for you?
0: He walks in, and you can see hes he is currently engaged in body language you're not used to seeing on him, like tapping his fingers together and kind of like he's um, like nervous tick almost a little bit as he walks up to you. and Stops at the chair, and instead of sitting in it, he leans against it and just says, I've been debating on whether or not I'm going to come to you with this. I don't know how you feel sir about our orders back to starbase 621 and being pulled off the investigation and i don't want to seem impertinent so i'm just going to shoot my shot if that's all right sir
4: permission granted
0: the true way is real and it's a danger to everyone here and we are being sidelined and yet we have a representative of the dominion on board right now <laughs> I mean can't we just <laughs> ask him or corner him or you you have a relationship with the Jim Hadar is escorting him can't we isn't is there anything we can do with that sir It just doesn't seem... If they're funding this Legate's war effort after... Sir, there's gotta be something we can do.
4: Have you ever tried to corner water as it falls? That's going to be about what it's like to corner a Vortat.
0: You know, uh, permission to speak freely, sir.
6: Oh,
4: we weren't free yet. Yes, please.
0: I didn't want this position when I was assigned, Captain. I didn't think I belonged on a ship that preached diplomacy, that was out here for peace. I didn't initially feel that way. But before my first day, I'd already changed my mind. I already knew this is what we were all dying for out there. But... I just... It was easier when we were at war, sometimes, you know?
4: Simpler, if not easier.
0: Yeah. you're right of course I knew that I mean I knew you were right I could hear Exio in my head telling me this before I even walked into your office but I I, I just wanted to try he's here right now
4: he is and while cornering might not be the best way to deal with Avor'ta. We do have the very best diplomats there have ever been. And if anyone is going to catch some slipped hint, a misplaced word here or there, it's going to be the ambassador just because Nadrin doesn't answer a question directly. Doesn't mean he won't be telling us things. As for our orders, and I get up. Naturally, they are what they are, and I would never attempt to subvert them in any way. I should trust that you would know better by now.
0: his eyes narrow a little bit like he's thinking he's getting the implication but he doesn't seem to register it and he just goes hi captain
4: it's a very wide quadrant and there are many things that are concerned we follow starfleet protocols precisely just as our admiral would have us do I, Captain. So I trust you to keep an eye on the quadrant, and if anything important comes up that is required, again, by policy and regulation, for us to see to, we will have to see to it, wherever that corner of space might be. Do I make myself clear?
0: Hi, Captain. You see him nodding like he's finally getting what you're saying.
4: The true way is real and it is a threat. And while I cannot sabotage these very real, very important negotiations to get more information about it directly, they're a threat to the long-term mission that we have here.
0: Thank you, Captain.
4: Thank you for coming to
6: me, Eric.
0: He nods and waits to be dismissed.
4: What are you still doing here? Get out.
0: A smirk comes to his face as he about faces and heads out the room. Shh. Um, down in sickbay. Yes, what's up, Olin?
2: I actually need to check myself on yeah. something because I made a little bit of a a, a mechanical mistake. Okay. Um we do have floating momentum still, but it was six successes on the first roll and three like total and three successes total on the second one. We did bonus we did generate bonus momentum, okay. but we only have three we only had three, three bonus floating momentum. by the end. of okay, those cool. two, That's still enough By the me. end of those two rolls and we still could create the advantage, but we didn't have as much floating as I thought we did. Okay. So I we just wanted to check should have still yeah. well been above float yeah. because it yeah. would have been two to create the mm-hmm. advantage leaving one as yeah. float. Right. Yep. So I just wanted to make sure that I I checked that we we had the right number of momentums down. So stipulated.
0: All right. Olin, right now, you and Lieutenant Dahl are in sickbay. We're going to start this off because, McCrell. you have, for the past week, you've had to start monitoring both. Both of these two officers, specifically because of the grueling pace of the negotiations, the two of them have been spearheading this. Olin being the the tip of the spear, and Lieutenant Dahl being the backup. Um, it as I've described it as grueling. As you're running a tricorder scan over the two of them, I'm going to have you make your. I mean, when we don't we don't often get to do this very much. So I'm going to say, make your control medicine check here. The difficulty is zero. Okay. You're using a tricorder.
1: Uh, oh dear lord! <laughs>
0: <rolled> uh,
1: <laughs> I, I got a success. I also rolled a twenty.
0: Excellent. Okay, so you is actually, it though? It is not. Actually, okay, so you you stabbed Lieutenant <laughs> Doll with a tricorder by accident,
4: and uh, <laughs> <laughs> how were you testing
1: reflexes again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I threw. Yes, catch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so. All right, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. For the to keep things moving forward, I'm just gonna bank that of threat. Will. And I knew spinning 4 threat was not gonna be a problem at the top of the game. McCrel, as you run your tricorder scan, this is your second scan. As you're running the tricorder scan over Lieutenant Dahl, she is suffering from exhaustion and dehydration. Uh, you can basically you're scanning the two points of stress that she's got. Um, I imagine, and you can tell me this, Cynthia, but I imagine Lieutenant Dahl's conducting herself like she's trying to play off that she's not completely... Oh, absolutely,
6: yeah. No, nothing's wrong. <laughs> Everything's just fine.
0: Right. <laughs> Alright. So, yeah, you complete your scan, and both Olin and Lieutenant Dahl are showing signs of exhaustion, dehydration, possibly sleep deprivation, considering depending on how many hours of sleep they've been getting at night.
1: Uh, I'm going to say uh, uh, when is the next negotiations hmm? that you are both needed to be present for? Bright
2: and early tomorrow morning as per usual.
1: Excellent. I'm going to recommend a sleep aid as well as and I'm going to pull up like this Crazy amount of, uh, like, some crazy plants. jug. <laughs> as well as to drink all of these, each of you. Oh, God. Well, Re- you need to replenish your fluids and get a full night's sleep.
0: Let's get a description of Lieutenant Dahl as you are handed this jug of <laughs> plants.
6: Uh, So, Lieutenant Dahl is a Betazoid, so she has big curly hair, um, probably up in some sort of um, Betazoid-like hairpiece, has very um, olive skin, uh, brown eyes, um, but she is full Betazoid, so her irises are actually black completely across. Mm -hmm um she has a slight bit slight bit of freckle but not much that you can you can really see um um, slender framed um a little bit muscular because you know she's she's trained in in some things um but mostly kind of what you see is what you get very very kind of grecian look big gray uh curly hair is probably her most prominent um identifier
0: right on yeah um for for and it's always good to get a description but bonnie Why don't you go ahead and describe to us uh, Dr. McCrell so that uh, Lieutenant Dahl knows who she's looking at.
1: So Dr. McCrell is a a cation in a way, uh, which is a Mm -hmm. cat-like alien uh, creature. Uh, They usually are full tabby or full black fur. However, Dr. McCrell is calico. So she has a different coloring, in her eyes as well as her fur and uh cations are usually extremely tall but dr mccrell is very not <laughs> at i believe five four which is very short for a cation um so basically you're looking at what could be said it's like a very not intimidating looking doctor mm. but don't test her mm. um and uh, yeah, she's going to look at both of you again, and be and and kind of wink at Olin because Olin knows more than most, and be like, "I do not have to have telepathic powers to know that you are both exhausted." And I hold up the That's giant right. jug again with my paws. Um,
6: c- can I get a read on the emotional status of Dr. McCrell
0: Yes, and guess what? That's not even a role. You just tell me you want to do it. Welcome to being a telepath in Star Trek. So, in which case, uh, McCrell, you, if you would please, uh, tell Lieutenant Dahl what is the emotional read on McCrell at the moment.
2: Technically, also Doctor- Olin. What's that? Also Olin.
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You would know that too, by the way, Lieutenant Dahl. Olin is actually a Delton and is empathic.
2: And so telepathic as well.
0: The two of you, well. so the, the two of you could could actually have, Yes, the two of you could speak telepathically.
2: Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what you're feeling from Dr. McC- McCrell is slight concern and also boredom. <laughs> There's not been a lot for Dr. McCrell to do it's since we true. left Planet Side. So this, y'all are probably the first people to come into sick bay. That's not like a, you know, pulled shoulder from the holodeck or something. So, she worked very hard on this jug. She has nothing left to do. So you better drink it.
6: Oh, uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna speak to Olin telepathically. I, uh, this is an experiment. It has correct, is it? This is actually a thing that they want us to drink, correct?
2: I wouldn't worry about it if I were you. She's very good at her job, and she knows what she's doing, so. Uh, And I'm sure it will taste delicious, whatever it is. (laughs) I take the jug. (laughs) You are
1: extremely dehydrated. I request drinking all of it. And the ambassador, I shall bring you one as well.
2: I appreciate it, thank you. Any other doctor's orders that we should follow aside from getting sleep and drinking more fluids?
1: Breathe deeply. And if you need something to help you lower your anxiety, come back. And I shall have something to remedy that as well. However, I believe the two of you have it quite under control.
2: I appreciate the vote of confidence. That said, you should ask inquire with the captain as to whether or not you have clearance to go down to the planet. I'm sure they would probably benefit from having a doctor of your skill down there.
1: Yes, I've seen I've seen plenty of Cordassia Prime. Mm. Fair enough. And yeah and on that uh just in case uh uh dahl Dal, on that you felt a spike of anxiety and like uh i wouldn't call like fear uh mm-hmm. almost like slight almost rage coming from dr mccrow but you would not mm. see it on her face mm. at all yeah
0: yeah i think both doll and olin are getting that spike mm-hmm.
1: But looking at Dr. McCrell with that weird little Kit cat grin, you would not have noticed that at all, uh, uh, if you were just looking at her. Maybe her tail flicked, we'll say her tail flicked. Interesting
6: response there. Uh, I do have a question for you though. Um, you asked us to get plenty of sleep. Um, as well as drink an entire jug. I, and which one is a, is a primary focus, to be honest with you? Because it seems to me that, that the last time I have d- drank such a um, large amount of liquid, I had a hard time sleeping because I was constantly having to get up.
1: Yes, I could see how that could be a problem. Um, especially if you tend to dehydrate yourself often little tiny bladder, yes? I could give you something to help with regulating your fluids.
6: Uh, that, that would... This has turned be awkward. Must...
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> I, it is a betazoid function that we, um, can't sit quite exactly a long period of time without... You just Yes, please, if you could help me, that would be wonderful.
1: Thank you. Yes. But I can tell from your scan that you are extremely dehydrated. So best to drink the full jug yes to help with regulating your in case you get headaches or dehydration or uh, feel faint later you we need you at your the top of your game as i should say I'm, the game just, is so, on the top you. my curl doesn't work things quite right
6: I'm just going to look over to to my other lieutenant, am I correct, Olean
2: mm-hmm. uh, Olin Rajanil oh, no. is an ambassador, they do not have a Starfleet ranking.
6: Yeah. Ah! Noted. Um, well, sh- shall we drink, drink this, uh, perhaps uh, somewhere a little bit more cozy, uh, a holodeck or something?
2: There's also 10 forward as an option, if you'd like that. But I don't know how publicly, yes. how publicly you want to consume this jug of con- like content of these jugs. I don't know.
1: I can well,
6: assure
1: you that the hmm? I can assure you that the taste will be pleasant and refreshing.
0: The sick bay doors open Shh. and you see an Andorian walk in the door. Uh, with an open front. His uniform is open, unzipped, um, just showing the, the red shirt underneath as he comes walking in. Um, his hand, he's holding his hand, and it is is—it is folded in the most not correct way.
1: Oh, um, again.
0: And friend uh, looks at you and goes, Doc, I, <laughs> I really need your help on this one. Can't put it back. Can't put it back.
1: Um... Can't do I that. I look at both uh, Diala and, and the ambassador go if you'll excuse me I have to patch up a clumsy Andorian
0: Vryn approaches and goes yeah yeah turns out turns out hi uh, turns out the uh, cat wanted me to try this thing called skateboarding which I've never done before <sighs> Anyway. The gravity protocols on the holodeck are great. They're working great. You can tell Tech that the gravity's gravity's doing great on the holodeck. You
2: might want to sit down, and oh. Olin is going to reach out and okay. just gently touch... Uh, Bren? <laughs> Bren, if, if he's okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just draw a little bit of that okay. pain off. <laughs>
0: you use that rarely seen Delton ability, and you touch him, and immediately he just goes, Ah. <sighs> oh. <sighs> I forgot you could do that. Oh, that's so much better. Thank you.
2: You're oh. welcome. Now sit down before your doctor has a conniption fit.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, by the yes. way, that's gonna go right through you, by the way. Uh, he points limply to the two jugs you're both holding. She gave me that one time, it just goes right through you. And he... Oh, no,
1: Vren, yours was something more special. Oh, okay. Yours, your jug was for something else. And then I'm gonna look at uh, Ambassador Olin and be like, constipation.
2: Doctor, I think the doctor doctor patient, patient, patient. I we should go. We should leave we at should. this point. Uh,
6: if you if you need any help with uh, any sort of talking about your clumsiness, I'm I'm happy to to, to talk to you. Like, rush out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll. Yeah. Thank you.
0: And. Vryn levels his gaze at you, like, WTF! Like, he just kind of glances over at your doctor and goes...
1: (laughs) It's fine, Vryn. Not everyone can be regular. And as I'm, like, puppeting his hand back with a, uh, scanning and uh, just, you know, using the...
0: slightly in disbelief (laughs) because he just shakes his head as he looks at you. Um, We're gonna cut to...
1: Good, let's cut away. (laughs) (laughs) It's been zero days since our last
0: HIPAA violation. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Meanwhile,
1: oh, everyone knew he was constipated. It was a bad day for Vryn. <laughs> oh,
0: <no. laughs> Meanwhile, on deck 13, away from all of the busybody stuff that's happening, um, Exio, you are arriving after being requested. Your presence has been requested on behalf of uh, two of the prominent scientists on board the Ross, one Dr. Yugos and one Dr Yada you...
5: Is that concerning or is that wonderful We'll find out
0: Yeah we'll find out that's it, it is pretty it's not usual to get called onto on into citation ops with without an explanation as to what's going on. Also to see that these two are like working together is kind of a new piece of information as well. But as you stroll into Cetacean Ops, you're immediately finding yourself bathed in that beautiful ambient blue light that flows from the water column on the other side of Cetacean life support. And you can see the cetaceans moving along the officers here moving through the water columns as they move about their duties interacting with the holographic displays that are activated in the tank and of course Dr. Yada is up against the glass wearing of course that headset that quote unquote headset that he's got on that allows him to communicate you see Dr. Yugos um, holding multiple data pads and like shifting shuffling through them like a deck of cards when he sees you walk in and he pauses and just goes (gasps) commander commander she's here she's here and doctor you hear dr yugas's voice on the intercom uh translating over yes dr Yugos i uh, dr yada just says i can he i can see that dr Yugos thank you
5: uh i i just stroll up with a smile and i grab one of the data
0: pads and say may
5: i make your work a little less heavy <laughs>
0: I love that. Yes, that's fantastic. It's going to say it better than I ever could. Here. Uh, um, Great, I grab the rest. <laughs> you just grab <laughs> it's the like data Like a pad. server, I
5: just lay them on my arm in a, in a flat uh, uh, display and just start reading them.
0: Um, Yugos just glances over at Dr. Yada and Dr. Yada nods confidently. Um, what you begin to read is stunning. You begin to see that Yugos and Yada have been building a hypothesis, and you're seeing some things on here that you haven't seen before. For example, there's documentation referring back to that unusual moment when Dr. Yuga, when Doctor Yada rather suddenly kind of north-starred y'all in the direction of a planet that you needed to yes. go to. That's referenced here. Apparently, ever When they since all that,
5: heard the moment, right?
0: Mm-hmm, when that happened... These, the data pad shows that when, when that event took place, Yada has not stopped working on it. No. He has been nonstop researching and trying to explain how he knew where to take the USS Ross in that moment of crisis. Yeah. Because he couldn't explain it. Um, he even discusses having uh, telepathic s- sessions with the other station officers. Um, he's talked about some of the uh, the therapy sessions that he's had with some of the other counselors on board, discussing like dream therapy and whatnot. He's been doing a lot of deep dives, and then on a whim, he decided to follow a gut instinct and talk call Doctor Yugoss in here to discuss problems, uh, to discuss some of the anomalies that Yugos has encountered since they were all sort of in the same vicinity of the events. And you start seeing that the two of these the the two of them started building. A rather incredible story together. As you're reading through this, they are hypothesizing that the ancient ecosystem that the Ross has uncovered, the, the creation, planet. the creation of the particle fountains, yeah, and the discovery of the fungus uh, on the planet that you all just discovered on uh, Iromizu
5: mm-hmm.
0: is all somehow connected that it all ties together somehow. You're looking at this hypothesis grow, and and it refers to subspace anomalies, the creation of the particle fountain, and a lot of scientific jargon, uh, Yugos and <laughs> Yada seems to think that his head works like a carrier pigeon's head. And when he sees your facial expressions change, he says, I bet I know which part you've come to.
5: You'd have to be more specific. I've read it about five
0: times. You got nods and says, um, shall I? And Please. Yada, says, Yada says, let me explain my role in this. As you know, Commander, I have been trying to understand how it was that I knew exactly where to direct the USS Ross during that moment with the crystalline entity.
5: It has been a moment of curiosity.
0: Yes, for me too. I've been deep diving and digging into records, and I have discovered some pretty strange coincidences. Now, we've kind of touched based on one of them, and I'm becoming more and more of a believer in them, though I should note that none of this has been proven. It's just a hypothesis right now. Lots of evidence are pointing me in the direction. There was an event that took place a little over a hundred years ago. You may be able to access this in the Federation databanks, but a probe, a strange alien entity was mysteriously sent to Earth. If you remember correctly, it was destroying most of Earth's ecosystem in the process. And it was discovered rather incredibly that the presence of, as it turns out, and you see this like almost expression on Yada's face uh, from behind the glass, Um, It's almost like this wicked kind of clever gleam in his eye as this whale creature like, kind of eyes you for a second. Exio. Yes. Remember, what summoned that probe was the absence of cetaceans on planet Earth. What got it to leave was the presence of cetaceans on the planet Earth. I followed a hunch because this has been a very famous story among me and my species, as you can quite imagine. And as a result of this, I'm starting to see that some of this is all somehow related. There's a really interesting theory that Dr. Yugos has that I think you should hear. And Dr. Yugos says, thank you. Yes. Okay. As you know, my people are preeminent scientists in the study of particle fountains. um, Subspace in particular. And we're able to predict when particle fountains are able to be created. Well, a lot of that technology is built on the fact where we see combinations of quiet in subspace. and I'll explain that in very simple terms. Um, there's a moment just before say an earthquake where things seem quiet just for a split second where it seems like the world is about to take a deep breath and then sh- there's a shift
5: sure um, I-, I believe on earth it is <laughs> called the-, the calm before the storm
0: oh that's good that's good were you aware of that one? focus doctor yes of course yes Um like earthquakes Particle fountains have a moment of quiet. It literally exists in a split second of time where the universe almost achieves a a moment of absolute zero, which is only supposed to be theoretical. But for a split second, all matter ceases, stops, and then it explodes into a particle fountain, a rupture in subspace. Right. I've seen significant evidence that some of the things that are causing this ever since my journey across the Alpha Quadrant could be... I'm getting ahead of myself.
5: What causes it to go to zero, Doctor? Maybe start there.
0: Unfortunately, it's still a mystery. However, one of the things that I have postulated here with my colleague, particle fountains unleash particles into the universe. It's such an incredible volume. Everything from, oh, tachyon particles and polaron particles and metron particles all erupting from subspace. With the context of the ecosystem that you've all begun to uncover ever since the crystalline entity erupted from the side of my planet, I am starting to believe that particle fountains function much like volcanic vents do at the bottom of an ocean. They feed the galaxy with nutrients it requires in order for physics to work, uh, for the particles that exist in in radiation fields that spread throughout our galaxies, the very thing that helped the Big Bang even happen. I think particle fountains function much the same way that volcanic vents function, in which case they're a vital part of the ecosystem, despite the fact that they're apocalyptically destructive, as most creation events are. Um, And we think, Dr. Yada and I, think that the ecosystem, the particle fountains, and the interest in subspace technologies are all somehow related. We can't put a finger on it, but it's been an unusual series of coincidences that we have uncovered, specifically regarding this most latest incident. And then he brings up something on the screen that is not on the data pad. And you see the two Polaron torpedoes that were salvaged from the world. And he says, now, Polaron technology is used by the Dominion because of its ability to destabilize particles as it impacts. We use, we use antimatter, or <laughs> the Federation, I should say. I'm going to say us, it feels comforting. Um, we use antimatter warheads, um, which are terrifying. But Polaron operates at the same intensity of antimatter, but it destabilizes energy fields. Like shields, for example, causes a drain on systems. It's very lethal during your Dominion war from what I've seen in records. I believe that warp activity is also causing a weakness in subspace. I pulled together some Federation records, and as it turns out, the United Federation and Planets actually imposed a warp limit some years back due to the constant use of warp drive. Well, this was done because it was simply damaging subspace. Um, It was like uh, pollution, as it were. It was tearing space apart that (laughs) coupled with polaron technology this is what i wanted to show you uh dr yada would you and you see he swipes some information comes up and on that holo projector in the tank you see a map of the galaxy (laughs) the hologram spins around and zooms in on the alpha quadrant and Mm -hmm. you see thousands of little dots start appearing and he said I predict that in the next five years there will be a catastrophic eruption of particle fountains across the Alpha Quadrant. Possibly when I say apocalyptic what what I really mean is akin to the Big Bang. Dr. Yada pops in. It would be it would alter the entire face of the galaxy. I see. Now, this is a theory, and there may be a way to stop this. It does seem to be reversible. Um,
5: Well, that is a good hypothetical thing to learn.
0: (laughs) Yes, and that's something I'm sure we can work on together. I'm not completely concerned about that, if I can be honest with you, as terrible as it sounds. Um, The science is there, it's reversible. Um, The activity from the Dominion War is what exasperated the whole business. All of the warp that was used at high velocities, all of the Polaron damage that was used during the Dominion War, ah, and that's kind of what I'm trying to get to. Yes. Antimatter, all of the, the weapons that were used, Polaron apparently is the energy reading that does the most damage to subspace, coupled with the amount that was being done. I and Dr. Yada both agree that some of these are not accidental as a result of activity during the Dominion War. In the past two years, spatial anomalies have been tracked across the Alpha Quadrant that would indicate some of these might be... You see he's almost scared to say it, and Dr. Yada says... Deliberate, Um, Commander.
5: So, not only is everyone in the universe healing from the scars of the Dominion War, but it seems subspace is also trying to purge its wounds. And now someone's doing it on purpose.
0: I think so. There's, we need more data, but if we're right, We think someone might be trying to rip apart subspace, which would sever each world from another world. And well, I can't even calculate what would happen to matter across the galaxy.
5: That's not a thing that we need to worry about, right? Because like you said, it is reversible. The only thing that we need to do now is it seems we might be a few steps behind in the research from someone else. So let's make sure we're no longer behind.
0: Agreed. This is very, very, very good. So you think this is worth taking to the captain? Absolutely. I, I told you she would listen. And... Uh, have you told Dr., um, or Lieutenant Lecat yet? Uh, well, was actually going to bring Lieutenant Lacat in, um, but, um, said something about a do not disturb. I, I wasn't quite sure what that was all about, but, uh... That is
5: okay. I, I was simply going to request that when you tell her, hmm? I, I'd like to be there.
0: Of course. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Yes, I imagine her brain will melt, as, as she likes to say. Yeah. Um,
5: if you'll excuse me, I'll, I, I think I might take this to the captain immediately, if you're uh, ready you? with the research.
0: Thank you, Commander. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <sighs> um, and you hear, as you're walking out, uh, Yara say, High five, and puts his fin against the glass, and Yugos just says, Yes.
5: High five. Before Exio blicks, b- uh, blips, she just shouts, Major high five!
0: <laughs> as the door closes. Now, if you blip, you can't take that data pad with you.
5: Oh, I figured they were just sending the information. Oh, they Oh, I mean,
0: you could just do it, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so you blip um, right into the uh, quarters. Yeah,
5: I'll, I'll blip outside because it has been uh, kind of a chaos of the last few weeks. So okay. um, blip and uh, quick ding ding. Come in. Are you bored?
4: I wish I were bored. They do look like they are bored. They are draped sideways over the chair, so their head is sort of uh, hanging down over one arm rest. Uh, And they have, of all things, a popsicle. Uh, Something red. So the the color contrast is strange. But if they drip,
5: (laughs) the uniform will never tell their secrets. I think you might. I wish I were bored. I'm not bored. I think you might want to change
0: positions, Captain. And uh, <laughs> the hologram uh, data pad information just pops up on your desk and displays in front of you. You see what looks like a data transfer from the station of Dr. Yugos and Dr. Yada. You see the hypothesis, you see some personal writings from Dr. Yugos, some hypothesis about the probe, the Earth probe that nearly destroyed the planet uh, from Dr. Yada, you see all of it. It's all very theoretical. However, it is worth noting that a lot of the stuff that the the theory of the particle fountain, the, the particle fountains are popping up everywhere, as you're looking at it, their data does seem pretty convincing. It's not there yet, but it is enough to raise suspicion.
4: Oh. It's not the apocalypse, it's just the brain freeze. Okay. <sighs> All right. What they need is a falsifiable experiment. I don't want to go in on suggestive correlations or half-cocked hypotheses. And we'll need to figure out qui bono. Is there an apocalyptic death cult out there somewhere, or, or is there some kind of secondary benefit that could be realized from making this happen?
5: Do you need to go to sick bay, Captain? I do not know exactly how painful a brain freeze is. Brain freeze passes. The apocalypse, not so much.
4: Apparently, quite reversible. Good. I was so worried about a perpetual apocalypse, but no, if there's some sort of experimental design they can give us that we will go out and, I don't know. answer a distress call so we can do some actual science.
5: Would you like me to falsify a distress call, Captain? And ah. she's just, she's got the biggest smile on her
1: face.
5: <laughs> we
4: would never, but it is not within the scope of Starfleet regulations to determine which distress calls are or aren't urgent enough to warrant
5: flagship response.
1: I think so. And a lot of the holes
5: up. in subspace definitely qualifies as a possible immediate emergency to Starfleet.
4: We mustn't presume on what the admirals will find urgent.
5: Of course not. But have you been reading the reports from the ambassador? Oh, they're beautiful.
1: <laughs> I
5: cannot believe how well Lieutenant Dahl and the ambassador are working together. I haven't even had time to run my anxiety protocols yet. None! None? Uh,
4: Can we be surprised, though? This is what they were made for.
5: This is true, but for some reason, never believed it. Not me. Them. And they're crushing it. (sighs) And not a single bit of tea has been spilled, Captain. (laughs) Well, thank goodness.
4: Who knows what Macraul's done with it? hopefully drank it. Now I'm going to go walk around. Inside or outside?
5: (laughs) Blip.
0: To answer your question. Blink. All right. (laughs) The anxious chirping sound. And I do describe it as an anxious chirping sound because the person on the other end's anxiety is enough that one could almost feel it coming through. Varith, you have been contacted multiple times now over the past three days by Dr. Yugos, who has been working on a theory that wasn't ready for your review quite yet, particularly because the data that he was working with was inferring something that was quite outlandish to arrive at at that stage of hypothesis. The imagination part. Which is a valuable part of formulating a hypothesis. Well, it was still a little too mid on the imagination side. However, you hear from your, as you were in your quarters, you hear the chirping of your combat, and you hear Dr. Yugos say, uh, Lieutenant Thereth, uh, this is Dr. Yugos. Are you, are you available at the moment? I'm here. Would you mind reporting to Cetacean Ops? Um, we have some news, and I think you might find it interesting.
3: Uh, Doctor, why would I mind?
0: Wow, that's a good... Oh, yes, of course. No, uh, would you... Ah, excuse
3: me. Please report to Station Ops. Absolutely, Doctor. I'll be there.
0: (laughs) 20 minutes into the discussion, he unloads everything on you, Vereth. As
3: you sit there and listening to him, he walks you through everything he just told to Exio. I'm, uh, I'm listening carefully, but also trying to smile uh, in response to his smiles to put him at ease so he can continue to talk to me. Okay. Yugos um, is, by the way, is a quick refresher.
0: Yugos is a... He is the only one of his kind currently on board the USS Ross. He is a species the Ross made first contact with in the Shackleton Expanse a little over six months ago. He was invited on after they had already achieved uh, warp flight. He was rescued from a spaceship that was studying a subspace particle fountain and has since functioned as his species representative on board the USS Ross. He is an anxious bean, but he is also a brilliant particle physicist, and he has an understanding of subspace that is quite impressive.
2: He's a Jashashian.
0: He's a Jashashian. He has yellowed skin. It's, It's like this bright like neon yellow. Um, and these black onyx platelets that outline the side of his face down to his nose. It looks like smooth onyx, but it's like bone platelets that line the sides of his face. Gotcha. Dark black hair that's pulled back, and he wears like that very fine scientific uniform of dark grays and blues. Um, he's not a Starfleet officer, he's just a member of his representative. Um, and he always wears a jacket for some reason. It's always this high-collar jacket that he's wearing as part of uh, the style. But as you, as he finishes talking, and he says and I managed to get the commander on board, and she took it to the captain. So what I wanted to propose to you, uh, before I start, um, before I start, well, suggesting that this is a thing, but if I'm correct, and these are not naturally occurring, Subspace ruptures; these particle fountains. I was wondering if I could get an a um, uh, so something of a profile. Who would do this?
3: Well, uh, I, I try to. I, I smile again reassuringly, um, okay. very carefully, sort of watching his eyes, uh, since he is the only representative of his species, I've only seen him interact with us. And so, uh, uh, you know, just still trying to read his interpersonal communication style. Um, so I give him a little uh, reassuring smile. Um, and I say, uh, uh, it's difficult to, to understand uh, the contextual motivations of uh, an unknown entity like this. It could be a result of malice, of course, it could be purely accidental. Um, and it could be even an expression of say, love or affection between beings who we have no understanding of. Hmm. Um, it's difficult with this amount of data to know. It's, it, it's uh, often a difficult leap. Um, the hypothesis that you originally talked to me about seemed, um, if I may, ridiculous. Uh, and huh. so uh, I would like to at some point discuss with you why you continue to pursue it. Uh, it's fascinating to me. Um, the pursuit of the ridiculous but uh, uh, the well, leap that would need to be made for me to understand exactly who would do such a thing is uh, it, it's, its simply difficult, my, my specialty being interpersonal relations. However um, if we assume goodwill in the, in the galaxy, which I like to uh, attempt to do or at least I'm teaching myself to um, let us say that this is potentially a byproduct of some other action and so I ask back at you what actions could be taken that this that this might be an echo of rather than a primary result of? He stares at you, his mouth slightly agape. At this point,
0: Vereth, I'd like you to describe yourself.
3: Um I'm I'm tall and thin, sort of the Vulcan, uh the most generic Vulcan you can imagine, science officer, all of the things that are just the baseline. Um Beric's, what's different about Beric from the Vulcans that you've uh, encountered previously is he wears facial hair, which is not normal for a Vulcan outside of certain um, rituals and circumstances. Uh, it does not suit him. Um, it looks weird, and uh, uh, you <laughs> is try to comment he the from the less.
2: Mirrorverse?
3: He's not. He's not. It's not a little smart goatee. It's a. It's a beard, but it. It. Uh, it's. It's just. It's incongruous with the rest of his. Uh, with the rest of his Vulcan nature, and he also has a habit of trying to echo. Um, emotional cues that he sees in others his specialty is social anthropology which is also not common he's normally vulcans are pursuing more of the hard sciences his specialty is actual uh being intelligent being interpersonal relationships and small group relationships Um, so he's often trying to to tease out the interactions between small groups of people his parents were ambassadors and uh and so the the things that you see about him are that weird beard that doesn't suit him and, uh, and the fact that he will often smile in response to your smile, though his eyes don't smile along with his, his face. He nods and says,
0: I, I hadn't considered that this might not be a case of malfeasance. I, I just assumed that hostile intent. I mean, if it's not hostile, I, I'm hung up on it, I think, I, and Yara has told me this numerous times the the attack upon my space station when the Ross first found me t- t- it all just seemed a little too pointless we were a subspecies uh, and by subspecies I mean to say that we were in, in their mind pre-warp and yet these creatures invaded our space station to harvest our technology, that makes no sense to me and I've never been able to let that go. I think they were specifically after something.
3: Well, often, often the greatest destruction comes as unforeseen or unthought of consequences. You can't mitigate something that you didn't didn't occur to you. If they were in search of something different, the destruction that you saw may not have even been intentional. It may have been a byproduct that was not not thought of or worried about. I, 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 but yet, I, I, incredibly destructive.
0: I I had not considered this. I just assumed...
3: I mean, I... What, uh... What secrets, knowledge, workings might your people have held that would be of interest to someone else?
0: I don't know. We're... We're certainly not as advanced as the rest of the species of the Quadrant. We're...
3: so such a relative thing. Please stop saying that. It seems like it gives you ag- agitation, and it certainly isn't the case, the mind that I've encountered with
0: Well, thank you. I I shall rephrase. Um, Our technologies and our knowledge of the universe has nothing to offer those who have been traveling the star lanes for hundreds of years. The only thing that stands out is our knowledge of subspace. We've developed technologies that allow us to study subspace, which we have happily shared with the Federation, as you well know. I, I, I can't imagine why else they would have been there. And
3: Perhaps it was creatures who are unable to understand the nature of asking. Perhaps they did not know how to ask you for your knowledge, and so took it.
0: It's possible they were very large reptilian things. Very unfriendly. Very, very unfriendly.
3: Uh, sorry, it's a side question. Is are the reptilian things? Have have you all encountered them in game? Um,
0: they they had a fight with Gorn at one point. Yeah. They were Gorn pirates, and that's who he's referring to. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, it was a very, very. It was a, uh, the the Starfleet file that's available for it, it would definitely indicate that it was not a happy encounter. In fact, one of the away team members was shot in that fight and had to be taken to sickbay. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and. But I know that that
3: he's talking about Gorn.
0: Yes. And, okay. and it is worth noting that the captain, the, the pirate captain of that Gorn vessel, was captured and interrogated successfully by the captain. And it was nothing conclusive to state exactly why it was that they were there, except that they thought they saw an easy mark. Um, but judging from the fact that Ugas is bringing this up again, it doesn't seem like he's convinced. He's, he seems rather fixated on it.
3: Um, so I... I uh, can I... Dig into my knowledge of of the Dorn uh, society and interpersonal, given my background, and uh, see if I can mine that for any clues. Uh, make a reason. I would call this a reason science roll. Oh, that's a lovely one. Yeah. Um, so my science is five, and my reason is ten. So. Actually let's switch that. I'm gonna say insight and science, which is even better. Oh, so you should insights in eleven, so be sixteen. And,
0: and you are also getting your focuses are activating here, so if you roll a five or lower, you critical on this. Okay, cool. So roll a D uh,
3: twenty. unfortunately, D20. that is a nineteen. 19. Apparently Gorn is not somewhere I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Yeah, you didn't really you didn't really study that. Yeah. Is that only one dice? Don't we roll two? That was only sorry. There's one yeah, die. two D twenty. Roll two D twenty. Well, that will be helpful. Yeah. Sorry. So that one's a one. So that's uh, <laughs> so that's a crit. crit. So we got a crit. <laughs> got a
0: Nineteen and a crit. All right. Well, you only needed one success. Um. So, you dodge a complication, but you land a crit on your on your first roll of the game. Um. All right.
2: <clears throat> and we got one momentum so you, from that. So.
3: Yeah. So specifically, what question were you asking? So I guess I was looking back. If we're looking at he's he's concerned or agitated by the fact that it seems a, a purposeless crime that was contribute or that was um, uh, made to- toward his people. I'm trying to think about from what I know about Gorn society, Gorn Gorn piracy, anything in the <sighs> interpersonal relationships of okay. Gorn. Does it seem likely that they would be that opportunistic, or would it be more likely that they're more mercenary, maybe under someone else's high hire?
0: Mercenary Gorn are are very, uh, you know, that's definitely a thing. Um, Gorn themselves tend to be pretty isolationists, yeah. pretty hostile to people coming into their
3: space. Not only overt- into their space, but going to other people's right. spaces. Not
0: overtly aggressive in general. Don't like you coming into their space. Uh, Gorn piracy and Gorn Pirates is actually a lot more rare than you would think. And opportunists hard to say. It's more likely that a Gorn would be following instructions or orders, which I'll go ahead and give you without having to spend momentum. The report that you read about the Gorn indicated that they were actually part of an organization that has supposedly since fallen apart. Uh, they were an- they were following orders from a, uh, a faction, a broken faction of the Orion Crime Syndicate. It was okay. now kind of on its own. However, over the course of the mission, the USS Ross actually helped dismantle that. That shard of the crime syndicate was actually under the command of, then at the time, a changeling from the uh, Gamma Quadrant.
3: And so, do I know anything, th- this, this changeling uh, has any relationship to, as I'm putting pieces together, any of the ambassadors or the Dominion members that are currently aboard oh, this ship?
0: Oh, I love how your mind works. Go ahead and make me an insight science roll, and i'm setting the difficulty at five so again two dice two dice but the difficulty is incredibly high you need five okay. successes so okay this might be in it in time to start spending that momentum the momentum that we're talking about are like little poker chips you get or in the case we actually have little counters those are available to the entire party and you can spend them like currency to show the competency and skill of your officer to sort of alter the narrative a little bit. So okay. if you'd like to explain it, Sam, help your, help your old coach.
4: <laughs> yes. Um, so we currently have six momentum um, and the way it works is one momentum for one additional die, another two for a second additional, and then another three. So one would spend up to six to get up to three additional mm-hmm. dice. Um, So we have all of that available. You also have uh, your daily, in effect, uh, determination. If there is a value of yours uh, that is relevant to this role, like we saw the ambassador make Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the session, uh, then you could call upon that for two automatic successes uh, for a sense of scale at difficulty five. I do often want to do that.
3: Okay, so a uh, couple of things I, I want to bring to bear as well. I have one of my talents is collaboration in science mm-hmm. uh, and so I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing right now with uh, the Doctor. Um, so wow. that that gives me... Hold on, I... I lost it on the uh, rules here.
4: To spend a momentum to let an ally use uh your oh, score so in a discipline and one of your focuses. It. So gotcha. were they to assist you, uh, they could use your science role and your focuses, uh which they probably don't have those foci.
0: No, he doesn't. Um so yes, I, I'm not I'm sure a, that. I'll let him assist. Hey. He he, could, he his science score is the same as yours. However he does not have the foci that you have.
3: Yeah, and my focus include understanding the enemy, which I think this mm-hmm. might be a uh psychology. You've got psychology juicy stuff. Yeah, and one of my purposes is is clearly our, our purpose is not to control each other, but to understand each other and ourselves. So
0: that's a value. If you want to call upon not, your value, yeah. you get to do that once a game and that'll give you an automatic two successes.
3: Okay, let's call upon the value. Okay, so I will I let you five.
0: um actually hold on one sec.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I honestly think your second value is more relevant here. <laughs> okay.
3: So my I second don't believe value you. Is, You'll have
4: to say it aloud for the class. My
3: second value is that Starfleet uh, is best positioned to gain the understanding that might unite the galaxy. Aww. Oh.
6: These are that such, such good values.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll use that one. That's two successes.
4: And you can still get... Uh two extra dice to roll if you want, so you would be rolling a total of four.
3: And to getting those two dice, I'm sorry, I missed that piece. How do I do that? Uh,
4: we spend the momentum, the poker chips, Eric okay, spoke yes. of, uh, one mom, uh, one chip for one, uh, okay. three chips for two.
3: Do I want to burn that many of, of our group momentum to get, gain two? I can gain one and then maybe leave some behind.
4: Well, if we overkill a roll, then we, we get will get back. them back anyway. Okay. So as long as we are consistently acting in our areas of com- uh, competence, if, if Olin uses words, or uh, Dla uses words, or Exio uses words, or I use words, or uh, our doctor throws something at someone.
3: Yep, yep. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so I will spend those three then to gain two more. So I've got four total successes already. Okay. Oh,
2: crap. We are the words crew today, aren't we? Hey.
3: Okay. They were like, hey,
0: let's put the USS Ross on a diplomatic mission. Bam! <laughs> Words, Watch them successes fly. Uh,
3: All right. So they
4: will be for dice, so you'll be rolling four dice. Roll. Gotcha. They won't be autos.
3: Okay, so not autos. So you still have two auto successes. You two autos and eight.
4: then four dice to roll. Uh, anything gotcha. at your science rating or lower.
3: Gotcha. And my and this particular science rating is 16 for insight yep. and science. Yep. So to make you
0: make roll and your crit, your focus is applied, so five or lower is a crit.
3: So that's three successes and one of those is a crit. So then total of four.
4: A... Uh so that gets us to six before the assist. Uh did the assist come in,
0: Eric? Uh let me roll for you Goss. I haven't had to pull up Ugoss's character sheet in so long, you guys. <laughs> I, love, I love rolling for you Here There we go. Alright, let's find out if he hey. came through. I roll at 19. He does not come through. Ugoss is staring at you kind of just like He's giving uh the the best the the best by the way quick sidebar just a shield of tomorrow reference the best what the f is happening right now i don't understand this look i've ever seen in the history of tabletop rpg is the face gina DeVivo made when i was trying to introduce talison into that crossover episode where <laughs> Gina's just like what the hell uh it's brilliant i highly recommend you watching um you right. guys are just kind of staring kind of like i don't see where you're going with this um so he's not gonna be able to assist, but you already blasted past the difficulty number.
4: Yep, we're back to four momentum. You made back two of the three you spent.
3: And and at the same time, as I see his sort of uh, incomprehending distress, I try to make, uh, I've seen him try to comfort himself with a gesture. I try to mirror that gesture that he's used to comfort himself. <laughs> you put your
0: hand in his, okay. Here's what your brain does. Your Vulcan brain begins to make the connections. If what he's saying is true, and there is any credence to what he was postulating. This Gorn acted on orders of the pirate organization of which he was a part of. We know now that the leader of that pirate organization was a changeling. We also have on board currently the Dominion member that answered to that changeling specifically. That a changeling very likely gave the order to attack that station if it attacked at all. In fact, why were they taking such an interest? It is a curious question why they were taking an interest in the, in the Jashashian people to begin with. Um,
3: yes, there are links here. Where do they go? Oh, the person... Hard
4: to
0: say?
3: But a person who might know the answer to that question is on board our ship right now. In fact, now, on board. Under the purview of our captain. Vorda, ambassador of the Dominion, is currently on board. And that's Nodrin, yes?
0: Nodrin, that's correct. Yeah.
3: All right, um, I uh, I'm going to thank the doctor, uh, Doctor. This has been uh, this conversation with you has been most fulfilling. Um, I let him know that the, i may I, I have a hypothesis of my own. It is not on its face as ridiculous as your in, in, initial hypothesis. Uh-huh. Um, however, in the spirit of your pursuit of uh-huh. that which you had little evidence for, right. I'm going to t- take this to the captain and see if I can further my hypothesis following your example. And I give him a what I think is the warmest smile I can imagine uh, back to him. And Vulcan
0: (laughs) turns on (laughs) you. And you exit. And we do a quick cut to both the Ambassador Olin Majanil and Lieutenant Dahl stepping into Ten Forward. And the first thing you see is a very large crowd of people gathered here. Many of them um, are uh, staff, Federation staff that has flown out here from Starbase 621 on the Ross. You see Solon at the bar, very busy. They look very busy. I know you want what to know- is What is he wearing? Dressing. I know, I know. You want to know what Solon's wearing, but uh, Solon is Vander's at the bar. not
2: here. We have to ask <laughs> on
1: his know. behalf.
0: Solon is at the bar. You see Garrick is in here. And Garrick is sitting at the table with that very familiar smile on his face across from Nodrin. And you can tell, you and Lieutenant Dahl, particularly you, Lieutenant Dahl, who you can feel and actually hear the thoughts coming through, and you, Olin, who are immediately, like, being peppered by the emotions of the room, this place feels like a saloon. And on the other side of that room is a Cardassian who is a former member of one of the most secretive black op branches of the Cardassian government loyal to Cardassia to an end so much so that turned against the Dominion the moment the war broke out and across the table is the Vorda who you Olin and you too would know this just through Olin Lieutenant Dahl this Vorda is one of the most vile smug son of a bitch Vorda that has ever walked and the two of you the moment you walk in can feel that there might be a fight on the verge of happening any moment now that's what the emotional wall that hits the two of you garrick is smiling at the Vorda, and the Vorda is smiling at garrick and we're gonna pause right there we're gonna take our 10 minute break <laughs> so we'll be back in 10 minutes We'll open on 10 forward, and we're going to see what Lieutenant Dahl and Olin Majanil can do. Because right now, despite all the incredible successes you've had at the negotiation table, now you're in a bar, and it's a little bit different. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Clear Skies, uh, our Star Trek Adventures live show where we watch Cynthia Marie try to play off the fact that she has a mouthful of noodles. Um, we are going to jump right back into our I was terrible at Geek and Sundry when we would have like staff come in and just like try to subtly not let the audience know that they were there. I got in trouble because I, I loved like Ryan Green is not crawling across the floor right now to fix a cable.
2: <laughs> I remember like my first day there.
0: Oh I pulled this was... nonsense
2: a few weeks ago on Jake too.
0: Yeah, I, I was just, yeah, indeed, I was a terror. I just, when I see someone trying so hard not to get noticed, I just, I can't resist. I can't resist.
2: The trick uh,
5: is to have your character also be eating noodles, <laughs> yeah. and then you can just eat noodles. Jeez. I haven't well, done see, that a million times.
0: Fun fact. diegetic diet. Fun fact, that was Robert Downey Jr. in The Avengers. He was eating all those snacks, literally in character, because he was hiding snacks all over the set. So that's why that's why that happened smart 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 um two of you are standing in the doorway of 10 ford which is very crowded this evening uh ox crew is milling about through here you can see the tension at the table you're not sure if it's about to come to blows but the hostility is so palpable even if you were not empathic or telepathic the two of you would catch what is going on between the two of them when i described this saloon it it it's like watching it's like watching a showdown basically the two of them standing there giving a measure of each other outside the negotiation table it seems like they feel comfortable telling each other with smiles on their face what they think of each other um iklat itlan is here and is standing in the corner not too far away from the vorda he has been given a wide berth by the rest of the people in 10 forward as a quick reminder iklat itlan is a jim hadar uh, soldier standing at a hulking over a hulking seven feet tall and is just built like a brick house he he is a stunning clone of the jim hadar species and intimidating as hell also also quite visible is the Ketracel white tube that's fed into the right side of his head that all Jim Hadar have Um, he is unarmed but you all are very well aware that Jim Hadar are a walking weapon he is armed even when he is not armed Um, their NPC stats are ridiculous (laughs) so he's standing there quite passively, zen like in fact the bar is hopping and you can see there's a couple of Cardassians at the bar, as well as a couple of Federation members, and a lot of members of the crew. There is live music being played right now to keep things amiable. But it's like a soft, yeah, you know what, hell with it. I would say it is the 24th version, twenty first century version of uh, lo-fi hip-hop. that's <laughs> kind of being gently played uh, over over the uh, the comms here. Um, possibly, possibly a Solon selection. You know that Solon has very exquisite tastes. Okay. So we know what you want to know. We're going to get to it. Solon is a tall, swimmer's bodied, muscular, uh, gender fluid Vulcan with long black hair that goes down to about their waist. Currently is wearing a deep, dark purple vest with silver lining. And attached to the vest itself would be sleeveless except for lace covers the entirety of their arms down to their wrists and then links over their fingers giving them these like black laced sleeves and they're wearing what looks like a dark purple silken skirt tonight that is also laced in like silvers and golds it's very similar to the outfit that you previously saw solon wearing but this one seems a little more high societal casual um what makes it so beautiful is these dark purples and silvers, how it mixes in with the cascade of that black silk hair that just runs down their back and just kind of flows as they move from from patron to patron. It's almost like they it, they they're so aware of the weight of their own hair and the way it moves as they move that it's part of the dance as they slide from patron to patron giving them this like ethereal look. And they shine a smile in your direction, Olin, and you as well, Lieutenant Dahl, as you the two of you enter.
6: Um, I'm going to have a quick conversation with Olin. Um, again, telepathically, reading the room, mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of glance over and go, I believe that the um, emotions here are quite
2: palpable, don't you think? Indeed. I don't think we should... Um... We should be uh, careful about how we interrupt the interaction currently taking place at the table. Um, but otherwise, yes. One of us at least should go over there and perhaps break the tension a little bit.
6: I agree. I think we should perhaps maybe get a table first so that we can get better read what is going on. And I would also like to order some noodles, but mine to balance out the,
2: the larger drink that I have to, to endure. Sounds like a good idea. Ooh, food actually does sound really nice. I think it'll help. It'll help with the, the hydration attempts as well.
6: I agree. I agree. Um, it, gonna scout to see if there's a table anywhere close to the the two um that we're gonna be inspecting.
0: All of the tables are taken. But when you are glancing around, Lieutenant Dahl, what you do notice is Garrick suddenly stand up from his table. It says something. To I'm the board going eye. to. What are
6: you gonna do? Not go that direction. Hold <laughs> on a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, um, how's the bar looking? It's a bar, a little bit like.
0: The bar's popping. Solon looks like he. They. He looks like he's making his way over to your side, and she's probably gonna flag y'all down. It looks like she's looking in y'all's direction.
2: Uh, I think that while it's Lieutenant Dahl's instinct to look elsewhere when uh, Garrick stands up, it's Olin's instinct to move towards the danger in this case. Okay. Um, and they kind of they kind of give Lieutenant Dahl a, a brief nod as as she sort of continues to scout out a place for them to sit and sort of beelines over to that table really fast.
0: You're intercepted by a crew member that didn't realize that you were on approach. Uh, As you were approaching that table, you see uh, a familiar crew member that you've spoken to maybe once or twice in the past, an Instant Tavarla. Hello. Instant Tavarla is half Klingon, um, and you recognize her as she approaches, and she's... She doesn't... Timidness does not look good on Tavarla. It's not something that she's known for. She when she approaches you, it's very direct, but it's very polite. She just Ambassador, forgive me, I know that you're on your off time. Uh I'm um, Tavarla, Lavarla, Tavarla? Uh,
2: yes, I, I I I recall you, yes. How can I help you?
0: I'm sorry to bother you. It's just no, that not at all. My son, Kun, has started to has started to exhibit empathic abilities and I was wondering if it would be possible if I could bring him by to talk to you if perhaps both of us could come by and speak to you sometime about what's happening
2: well be absolutely honored of course anytime
0: I'll go to the channels and make an appointment then
2: indeed uh you're welcome to stop by anytime my uh my hours show availability
0: thank you i will i will do so i've been a bit at a loss of how to properly help him Um, any insights would be appreciated
2: above game i'm guessing that uh her child is also a mixed species yes okay um Um
0: he has difficulty processing I'm half Klingon, I can have a temper sometimes and even kids are already so smart at being able to tell when their mother is not being completely honest with them, he can sense when I'm not and it's causing some mild irritation
2: Well, we certainly would like to avoid discord between families. So, yes. Thank you. Feel free to bring him by.
0: I'll let you get back to your evening, and I'll set the appointment.
2: Of course. Thank you, Ensign Tavarla, for uh, confiding in me.
0: You're welcome. And thank you for your time. Of course. She moves past you, and this crowd kind of slips past. And at about that point, you see, as you glance up, that... Garrick and Lieutenant Dahl are about to cross paths as Garrick is approaching the bar. Um, and at about that point, Garrick kind of homes in on you for a second, Lieutenant Dahl. Uh, you can hear the... Dis- the <laughs> you can- Garrick is not hard to pinpoint in a crowd when he calls out to you. And you indeed hear the, Oh, Lieutenant Dahl!
6: Hello. So yes. good to see you. Likewise.
0: Finally having some downtime, are we?
6: I wouldn't quite say it's downtime, but certainly a time to uh, enjoy a few moments of of non-negotiations.
0: Ah, if only that were possible. What I've discovered, (laughs) especially in this time, is that negotiations are happening all the time.
6: That is quite true. Um, What do I know about this person?
0: Garrick, Ellen Garrick uh, was something of an unknown for a while. He lived on a he lived on a remote deep space station out in the middle of nowhere that didn't become relevant until the wormhole was discovered near Bajor. He, what you know about Garrick is that he lived on Deep Space Nine as a tailor for some time, though highly suspected by Starfleet Intelligence that he had alternate connections, and as it turns out that kinda ended up being true. Garrick used to be a member of an organization called the Obsidian Order, which was essentially like the Tal Shiar slash Starfleet Intelligence, the Section 31. Like, it's the Cardassian secret police. Except, ironically enough, the Obsidian Order wasn't inherently all evil. It had people like Garrick in it that were loyal to the people of Cardassia. It was absolved mm-hmm. when uh, the Cardassian military took complete control and the Dominion Charter was signed. Uh, what you know about Garrick today is that right now he is considered one of the leaders of the Cardassian people he is one of three in the inner in the inner circle of who is meant to become the president or the new leader the future leader of Cardassia. he's very charming um quite eloquent with the way he speaks and uh has an uncanny ability of double speaking with everyone he meets
6: Mm. Um, what, do I know any etiquette for Kardashians perchance? Any sort of, um, greetings, specific?
0: What I would tell you is, why don't don't we do this as a roll? Why don't I have you roll? Because this would be perfect for you to utilize your character. So why don't we give you an insight command roll? And I'll let you use, um...
6: I was looking particularly at Federation Law and Politics.
0: I was thinking history actually. I
6: know. Or Cause, that too. That, yeah, because Derek
0: played a significant role in the Dominion War. So I think I would allow you to know a little bit about him through that. So go ahead and make yeah, I would say go ahead and make an insight command roll. Um, and that difficulty is going to be, so you difficult to be a 1, so you're rolling, you need a 13 or lower. On 2d20. So roll 2d20. No,
6: no. Oh, okay. Hold to,
0: on. What was the first one? Because they both No, care.
6: no. Uh seventeen and nineteen.
0: Okay. Um, you have no idea. Um and, and it's not because you're you're ignorant of how Cardassians conduct themselves. Cardassians tend to be pretty straightforward people, but Garrick is a unique case. Mm-hmm. Garrick tends to be the one to conform to what's going on in the room in order to make everyone feel pleasant about themselves uh so you can't get a read on what the best etiquette course of action here is
6: okay well i will uh i will take a conservative approach then definitely um not going to be any more seductive or anything just going to kind of like reel it all back in and just be very personable um yes um, so what is it that you're drinking uh tonight perhaps i can indulge in the I, I was given something else to drink but perhaps i can indulge with you for a moment
0: well, typically you might find me drinking a glass of canard, but when I'm around revolting people, I like to drink revolting drinks. This is called root beer.
6: Intriguing, root beer. I have had some root beer um, in, in my time. Um, revolting, Who who's revolting around you?
0: Uh, the genocidal maniac in which I was conducting business with just a moment ago. You and I have quite mm-hmm. a lot in common with him after all. He destroyed my homeworld, and also attempted to enslave yours. And now we're sharing a room with him. I do so love peace.
6: We are, then, yes, yes. Peace. Peace. That is a quite interesting word. Um. Might I interest you in a glass of um, it's, it's a interesting drink from Earth. It is called wine.
0: Wine. Well, it does yes. share a word in common with many of the other drinks that I've had. Why not?
6: Excellent. Perhaps it's a, a little bit less revolting, but still hits the same um, point.
0: Pour this wine. I am at your disposal.
6: I ordered two Cabernets.
0: Okay. He holds it up and says, hmm. He takes a sip and says, Hmm. Hmm. Earth drinks tend to want to be something more than they really are, don't they? They try so hard to be as good as other drinks. Well, yes to trying. And he takes another sip.
6: Well, aside from formal present company, how are you finding your surroundings?
0: If I can be honest with you. And I know that's something you'd appreciate, being that it would save you time from having to read my mind. I actually find myself somewhat in a good mood, all things considered. We are close to having dominion reparations, and it might be nice to rebuild a skyline that doesn't look like the hulking skeleton of the days of old.
6: Interesting. Is there anything that I can do to, um, to to help you in your evening or perhaps in your stay here?
0: Yes. Just one thing. He leans in and gets this wicked clever look in his face and says, The ambassador, Olin. Olin Marjaneel. I'm very fond mm. And as much as I would like to see it happen, perhaps you should ensure that the ambassador doesn't harm our Dominion friend upon meeting them. He does like to tell that story from time to time.
6: I'm gonna glance at Olin, and I'm gonna try to get a read on Olin.
0: Olin, you... So, this is an interesting moment, because making eye contact with somebody across the room, normally, like, if this was another game, you wouldn't know what was going on. The two telepaths immediately making eye contact, however, You can sense that Lieutenant Dahl has been (laughs) how else do I put this? They know. She looks at you from across the room it takes you a split second and then you see Garrick lean out from the side of her and just raise a glass of wine to you.
2: (laughs) So charming.
0: Truth of the matter is, Lieutenant Dahl I live vicariously through that story, and every time he tells it to th- to elicit sympathy, I find myself wishing over and over and over that I could have, just for one day, been Ambassador Olin Machaneer. Hmm. I see. Uh,
6: so could you perhaps tell me your side of the
0: story? Wait, I'm sorry, what was that? His side of the...
6: Could you, your side of the story, of what you've had?
0: Hmm, only that the Federation were a bunch of wild animals that were more interested in re-engaging in war with the Dominion, as evidenced by an ambassador who assaulted him under unprovoked terms.
6: Interesting. Um, Very. Quick question, game mechanically, um, mm-hmm. using my telepathy, uh-huh. From what I was just told, is it possible to send almost like the memory of what was just happened over to Olean? You
0: not that that is something you could do, but okay. it's not something you could do like across the room. This is more of like think of Deanna talking okay. to Oksana. You can do you can you can have conversations, but using like the images and whatnot is more of like a that's closer to like a mind meld.
6: Okay, no yeah. problem. Just wanted to check where yeah, I was yeah. at. Baseline. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
6: so I'm gonna well, I'm gonna term. send my interpretation of that conversation to
2: Olean. <laughs>
0: uh, you, you you basically you basically get the sort of the quirked eyebrow.
2: I threw a cup of hot tea in Nodrin's face the last time he was here. And he might like to think it was unprovoked. But if you he had heard the garbage that he skewed from his mouth, you would have done it too. Interesting. You have certainly
6: made this evening a little bit more colorful.
2: <laughs> so I, I, aim, I, I turned I back. Aimed, please. I turned back.
6: Unprovoked. Well, so, can you explain to me what you mean by unprovoked?
0: Well, according to his side of the story, He cornered the ambassador in a way that left them speechless. And as a result of this, the ambassador resulted to violence. As we all know, Olin Major is a terribly violent person. It was only a matter of time until they unleashed their claws and attacked the poor, defenseless Vorta, guarded by their Jim hadar bodyguard only standing ever a few feet away. One wonders how Olin made it out alive.
6: I feel as though that there is a certain baseline when you talk about violence. If that a baseline violent uh, Klingon might be different from a baseline uh, violent of Bezozoid, no?
0: I suppose that's true.
6: so your version. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so your version of violent might be different from someone else's. So enlighten me, exactly what actions were taken?
0: Are you the Vorta doesn't like to go into detail about that, but I think it's safe to say mm. that his side of the story is complete crap.
6: I might actually agree with you at that point.
0: hmm He nods slowly and says, if there's one thing that I've learned about Nodron is that he is very much a Vorta.
6: At that point, I'm gonna look over at Olin um, and and see where they are at in terms of their scene.
2: <laughs> I mean, Olin is basically once uh, the ensign had wandered off, and they realized that Garrick was no longer like like in their path of, mm-hmm. of interception. And, and and when they see him with you, they kind of look warily over at the te- the table with the empty chair across from the Vorta. <laughs> And there, you can feel you can feel conflicted emotions in Olin very strongly. Of do I go over there or not? Do I do this to myself or not? So um,
6: I I send a quick message of well I'm gonna do it.
2: Can you say that one more time? Sorry, I didn't catch the top of that.
6: But uh, are are you going to do it?
2: You can sit with. Uh... Me. I'm not sure. It feels like it's inviting disaster, but I'm never going. I'm never going to be able to move past this unless I manage to get through one, one interaction with him. Where, I don't want to smash his face in.
6: So let me reiterate what I just said. You should probably sit with him.
0: <laughs> oh, Lieutenant Dahl is a chaos. He's a chaos goose. <laughs> we have another chaos goose.
2: <laughs> Honk.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think that if he's still sitting there, at the very least, Olin is going to try and catch uh, uh, the bot Iglan. Like, I-, 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 I can never say his name correctly. Um, uh, but the-, the Jem'Hadar's eye just kind of get a read off him.
1: lone okay.
4: Petroncloth. Okay. Like a a sick cat, ill cat -cat. at lawn and lawn. (laughs) Okay.
2: Okay. I don't know. I have weird mnemonics, all right? (laughs) Listen, if it works for you, then it's not that weird. The ill
5: cat ate the lawn because it's got a sick tummy and animals eat grass grass. when they're sick.
2: That's true.
4: (laughs) (laughs) But
2: yes, I I think that as as uh, uh, Lieutenant Dahl continues her conversation with Garrick, uh, Owen will slowly kind of start to make their way over to to the table, bearing the unbearable porta.
0: The first person to spot you is Ikat Eklat Itlan. Spots you the moment you start approaching. Elkat sees you, and Ikat nods as you approach, acknowledging you. This is the first time you've seen him since y'all were back in the Shackleton Expanse in the Beta Quadrant, and so far as you know, I mean, you've seen him around the ship, of course, as he's been an escort. He's not allowed into the negotiated meetings, but as far as you know, he was going to his death. You were not sure you were ever going to see him again. Um,
2: I think, I think that secretly, like, the moment that he boarded the ship, uh, the captain and the and Exeo and Ambassador all like had like a small party by themselves. Really, like they had a glass of champagne. And we're uh-huh. just like yeah, and then like that was kind of it. I
4: why I have no need to be worried. Why would I think something happened? Well, I mean, you were worried about him befo- even before that. that. I mean, yes, true. I just there have been months where I just wake up hoping wherever El Catatlan is, he's having a nice day.
2: Yeah, well. Apparently he's having uh, at least a decent one right now. But yeah, I wander over. I have my big jug with me. Okay. I set it down on the table.
0: He looks up at you. Nodron is seated. Navorda glances up at you, and you see those big, beautiful, lavender-colored eyes spot you. And when he does, he goes, Ambassador Olin Majanil. And he stands up, and he says, It is such a pleasure to meet you. I have been longing to see this happen. Nodrin, as you well know.
2: And in their brain, Owen is thinking, well, that's already failed. (laughs) I want to smash his face in. Um, uh, But yeah, they set the jug down. They kind of nod to Nodrin as as he greets them and and is like, if I had known that you were waiting... Uh, for this moment, with such anticipation, I might have indulged you a little sooner. I apologize.
1: Hit him with the jug! (coughs) Oh, I'm sorry, sorry.
0: No, of course, it was for me to apologize. I understand my predecessor was quite rude to you at a certain critical moment, and I would like to make amends on his behalf. I see. Would you care to join me?
2: If the seat is free, I will take it. It is.
0: Please. Well, as he slides into the seat and looks at you, Olen says, we meet at last at this pivotal moment of peace and prosperity being negotiated on the part of the Dominion, the Cardassian people, and the Federation. It's truly the start of a new era.
2: Well, I certainly hope so. We've had um, quite the roller coaster getting here.
0: Yes. Oh, it's a beautiful world. He looks out the window. 10th Ford, you can see Cardassia Prime below. Y'all are in orbit. And <laughs> he shakes his head and he says, So much death and heartbreak. There's a lot to answer for. I'm glad we're finally healing the wounds.
2: I. I am as well. I wasn't sure if I would be here to help usher in such change. So I am I, glad that I am.
0: He quirks a brow and says, were you considering leaving Starfleet?
2: Well, there were many things I was considering. Um, leaving Starfleet, not necessarily, but your predecessor called into question many things. <sighs>
0: Yes, Nodron unfortunately was put in a very impossible position. Of course, answering the call to the Founders is a blessing. One that every Vorta aspires to. To be caught in such a situation, to be given the order by one Founder and given an order by another, inevitably leads to death. But a death worthy of Vorta.
2: May I ask what
0: happened to him when he returned you see he hesitates for a moment and says of course well my predecessor returned to report the mission was accomplished and returned the founder to her rightful place and was put to death I think we could leave it at that.
2: I understand that the process of Vorta, the way you are conceived and created is not an uncomplicated thing.
0: Indeed, it's quite efficient.
2: I know that you are not him, but you're all, I hesitate to use the word programmed because that feels... Inaccurate. Indeed. And unfair. You're all sentient beings with at least a little modicum of self-actualization, at least from what I could tell but I know that your existence is, let's just say I'm very interested in seeing what kind of evolutions take place within the Dominion in the coming years.
0: Mm, I think I understand what you mean. I personally am excited by the challenge of changing your mind.
2: The one thing I knew about Nodren, you, is that your particular group of clones have a little bit of a rebellious streak
6: in Mm. you.
0: That may have been true for my predecessors, yes. But with each new version of Nandrin that comes forth, I'm happy to say the improvements have been made.
2: That's actually kind of a shame a shame I think the Dominion could use a little rebellion
0: (laughs) I understand that primitive concept of recycling your government by pressing the reset button from time to time but that's not necessary with the Dominion the founders guide us they show us the way and we are blessed to follow
2: I will have to take your word for it You function very differently from us. Yes. But, as the Vulcans are wont to say, infinite diversity and infinite combinations.
0: Ah, Vulcans. I'm so very fond of them. They keep things so simple. Everything is so elegant with Vulcans. They would have been an excellent addition to the Dominion. Alas, it was not meant to be.
2: Well, perhaps in a hundred years we'll be saying something along the lines of it'll be nice to have the Dominion as part of Starfleet. (laughs) And the Federation.
0: Ambassador, Ambassador, please. I've given you no cause to hurl insults at me.
2: Who knows? Perhaps Nodrin number whatever will not see it that way in a hundred years.
0: Perhaps... Either way, from what I understand of Deltan timelines, you will not be around to see it. And while there will be Nadran for the next hundreds and hundreds of years, the Dominion will endure, and these reparations will be, as they say, a penny out of our pockets. Until eventually our fleets are restored as they were once again, and we will once again find the Alpha and Beta Quadrants in a state of discord. We play the long game, Ambassador. Peace is good for now. But as far as I'm concerned, you're reinvigorating the soil for when we come back one day.
2: Duly noted. Let's hope we've all evolved past that point.
0: He doesn't respond. He just smirks at you. <clears throat>
2: Well, I shall leave you to your evening.
0: Thank you for this opportunity to set a new record with you. And I look forward to working with you in the future, ambassador. Of course.
2: I will see you tomorrow.
0: May I shake your hand in friendship?
2: You may shake my hand. Friendship is yet to be determined.
0: I will accept that. And as he rises, I'm going to spend two points of threat. And the drink that's in front of you is knocked over and into your lap. With his hand extended forward, just splashes all over, and he's, oh, Ambassador, I am sorry. Forgive me. And he goes down and picks up this napkin folds it and he says may I
2: it's not necessary
0: Oh, of course my deepest apologies
2: think nothing of it it's just a drink
0: good evening ambassador
2: good evening ambassador and Dolan stands up and Walks away. All right. It does not give a single m- ounce of e- of of mind to their wet uniform.
0: Okay. You s- move down the ramp towards the bar, and you see Garrick is still there with Lieutenant Dahl.
2: If you wanted to see unprovoked.
0: Um. Hmm? Garrick grins and raises his glass to you and says, your sacrifice has been observed and noted.
2: Yes, well done. It makes him feel better about himself. He can have it. I really don't care.
0: Yes, indeed. It'll be interested to see how many nodrons they go through as they continue to make fools of themselves.
2: The number is infinite, I imagine. We'll all be long dead.
0: But in that time, think of all the gratification we'll have of how many we get to watch die. And he raises his glass.
2: Well, I don't necessarily take any pleasure in that.
0: It's important to find My. hobbies you enjoy, it counts. <laughs> and then he sips. <clears throat> um, and that is where we will leave you, from 10 forward. Um, Just to push things forward a little bit, the negotiations wrap the next day. With resounding success, the Dominion indeed concedes to give significant reparations to the Gardassian people to help rebuild. The concessions that are asked for on behalf of the Federation for these puts the Federation in a bit of a difficult position. The Dominion wants, in the next five years, to begin opening up trade between the Federation and the Dominion. But after a period of five years, they are willing to stay within the Treaty of Bajor and not enter the Alpha Quadrant for that time. However, they want assurances that the door will be open so that they can start making those connections once again. Dominion wants to do it. And the Federation has decided to concede. And the reason why is because the Dominion said we will give you money if you give us friendship. And the Cardassian people ended up staring at the Federation, saying, Are you going to say no to that? And Garrick was the only voice of dissent. Um, however, he was overruled. And the Federation has decided that in five years' time, they will, in a very limited observed capacity, allow Dominion trade vessels to be escorted through Federation space.
2: You can bet that the moment Olin got off that call with Starfleet, they flipped a few tables, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, you probably, Olin, no joke, you probably ended up taking a call directly with Azalius Jatt, the Secretary of the Exterior. Azaleas um, has told you directly that no one in the Federation is happy about this, but the Dominion conceded to the escort, the limited number of trade vessels, all of that. Um, they also consented to uh, being fully scanned. Specifically, anybody coming in from the Gamma Quadrant has to be tested to make sure they're not a changeling.
4: Really, Charlie Brown? We won't pull away the football this time.
0: And in that return, being
2: said, I like Olin 100% filled uh, the captain in on that conversation. Especially the we'll be back.
5: The the overt threat of imminent war? Yeah! (laughs) Oh, it isn't imminent, Axio. It is when you live forever. (laughs) I will be alive for this, Captain. Just letting you know.
4: Well, that does sound like a you problem.
2: By that point, you'll at least be an admiral. You'll have a lot of power.
4: And then you'll be able to say no to bad faith offers of friendship.
0: Please. <laughs> Turbo lift doors open, and uh, your yeoman steps onto the bridge with a couple of data pads in her hand. Comes down the ramp around the corner and approaches the center chair. It says, Captain, I have a few reports for you here.
4: Thank you, Shanta. You're looking well.
0: Thank you, Captain. Yes, I've been taking some time off. It's been, it's been good for me. Um, taking that sick days as they were. Um.
4: Yes, of course.
0: So, a few things that I needed to run by you. Um, Commander, if you don't mind, I'll just, I'll make this pretty quick so I don't take up too much of your time. Um, Lieutenant Alejandra Vasque is formally requesting permission to, (laughs) um, Well, she wants to have a friendly martial arts tournament on Holodeck 3 this week. Um, Right, Vasquez
4: is tactical. Yes, I remember.
0: Vasquez, that's correct. Um, I told her I would run it up the flagpole with you and see what you thought, Captain. It's not pressing, but there is enough downtime right now.
4: What martial art?
0: It's as she put it, bring your style to work day.
5: Oh, no, 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 no,
4: no, 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 going. I'm going to need a scope because some things result in broken arms and keeping McCrell from being bored. Some martial arts somehow involve hull breaches
1: and you do not want to know how I found that one out. You see McCrell's name's already signed up for the tournament? <laughs> oh no question. Um, no.
0: She says I'll see, I'll I'll return the note that in the tournament will need rules.
4: But Lovely. Uh, just just things that don't put holes in my ship. I like to think I'm not the sternest captain in Starfleet. I like to think there's room for growth on that particular dimension, whereby I might make your lives further hell as I progress in seniority. And yet I do find myself asking this one thing. No holes in my ship?
0: <laughs> oh, okay, captain, uh, I I'll, I'll see to it. Um, what else? Only one other item on, your, on the list today. There mm-hmm. is a member of the crew and not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I believe it's Lieutenant Vereth, who is part of the science team, and also part of the diplomatic corps. Yes! Yes, well... Yes,
5: I've been waiting for this message. It's Yes.
0: He has requested time with you, Captain and Commander Axio. Uh, he apparently wants to go over some information, some data he's discovered recently that's somehow connected to, and she looks at the report, uh, data I- that's been quantified by Dr. Yada and Dr. Yugos.
4: Ah, yes. Apocalypse. Good, yes, set the meeting. Reversible.
0: Set, setting the meeting. Uh, she glances at the two of you as y'all are saying that and just focuses on her work again and then says, um, the last bit is the Vorta ambassador will be leaving the ship in just a few hours.
4: Ah, be sure to get me. I've barely had the opportunity to interact with him and what's the point of all of this height if I can't dunk on him?
0: <laughs> Yeoman Shanto kind of she she giggles for a second, and just <clears throat> yes, Captain. I, I, um, I hope I get to be there for that, sir. It you is only fitting
4: you are. Excellent. Yes.
0: Uh, that's all I have for you today, Captain. Pretty. Get out of
4: afterwards. my sight. Go back to taking sick days.
0: aye Captain. And she takes that order to heart and walks straight towards the turbo lift. <laughs> um.
4: Uh. Do we have a particular name of the not uh, LeCat at censors right now?
0: Uh, yes. Let me let me pull up our handy dandy ox crew list created for us and organized for us by our mods.
4: Thank you, um,
0: mods. Thank you, mods.
4: Elder mods command in chat in 5,
0: 4.
3: <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Currently filling the role of Jane LeCat at helm. Is uh, Fawn Roselle, or not Helm? I'm sorry. This is science. <laughs> Poor Vren. Nobody appreciates Vren. Not even the storyteller. Not even the person that plays Vren appreciates Vren.
1: Hey, his wrist is fixed. He's fine.
0: That would be Lieutenant Talon. Is currently seated at seated normally Beta Shift, but is currently covering for uh, the cat.
4: Good. Uh, so. I'm about to do the bouncy ball uh, after making that comment. See, it's not her. It's not nearly as fun. <laughs> it's not the cat. I'll redirect it to Bren. It,
0: it bounces off. Bren turns around and just goes, "We are we doing the bouncy ball thing again?"
4: You keep talking about this. Are you all right? Do you need to? Is this calls for counseling, Rexio,
5: or is this is this more of a McCall thing? Oh, definitely, McCrell. She's uh, much better at when things are thrown.
0: I-I-Thrown?
5: You-you
4: too now? This delusion throughout my bridge. Delusion, I say. <laughs> uh, I'll be in my ready room, Commander, uh, when Varith comes through join me.
5: Yes. Thank you, Captain. Pleasure.
4: All right. One more bounce and I go. I grab it.
0: <laughs> you talk, <your laughs>
5: and then I'm just squeezing it and just.
0: <laughs> um, as you walk, uh, Xeo, Ferret, <laughs> your helmsman just leans forward and just thank, thank you, Commander. good catch.
5: You're gonna have to learn to start doing that.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Especially
5: I- if Doctor or if Lieutenant LeCat takes any more sick days. Yeah. Or grow eyes on the back of your head.
0: Actually, I did tap into shipboard sensors, and I am monitoring. Uh, I just wasn't looking, but if you look here, and he swipes up, and you see an image of the bridge and the captain tossing the ball <laughs> up the back. I just um, i just don't think that's going to stop them, though. It won't,
5: but at least you'll know it's coming.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Vryn swipes it back down.
4: Tampering with internal security, forged footage. Mm. Continue. Continue.
5: I like your forward thinking, though, Vren.
0: Uh, thank you, Commander.
5: <laughs> Where is, um, L- L- when was the meeting with Lieutenant Barrett? I've been That's- reading his file and it's fascinating <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear the theories.
0: Um, so you are waiting for that to happen? It's yes.
5: To happen. I'm very This is an excited um, stress ball <laughs> now.
0: In sickbay. McRell,
2: Yes.
0: You are in the process of going through actually, let me ask this.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> let me ask this. What does McCrell do when it's quiet? I wanted, I'd like to know just real quick, if you could just take us through what's McCrell's like routine when not when people are not coming into sick bay. What do you see her doing?
1: Uh, well, the tea helps uh, that she drinks, particularly in keeping her calm. Um, McCrell, since we've arrived near um, Cardassia Prime, has been a little bit more antsy than usual. And, uh, due to, you know, um, memories of the war coming back and just things that she would like probably to forget. Um, so if she's not on duty, she'd probably spend some time in the holodeck, uh, practicing okay. for that, for that martial arts tournament that's going to be coming up that she will yeah, definitely yeah. win.
0: <laughs> um, then we'll say it's evening right now because it was evening mm-hmm. in 10 forward, uh, not too long ago. We did a bit of a time skip, but as the alpha shift is coming to an end, um, sickbay is a little emptier than it normally is, and you're just alone in your office. And you hear somebody step into the room and stand in front of your desk while you're looking at the data pad in front of you. I look up? You stare into the face of Reku.
1: Oh. Wait, remind me. I have my notes. That's the... The brother. Yep. Oh, shh. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Peace. whoa, whoa. Whoa. Okay.
0: Raku's standing in front of you you see a burn mark centered on his chest it looks like his chest has been drilled by a blast by close range phaser or polaron fire and he's staring at you he's standing right in front of you at your desk an apparition staring right into you his mouth is slightly open he doesn't say anything
1: I, I stare right back I I feel like if McCrell says anything, it'll like break the, it like either he'll, you know what I mean? Like breaking eye contact. Water
0: as you stare at him, he doesn't move.
1: Uh, McCrell slowly um, reaches for something on her desk. To okay. initiate her reflex test.
0: You kind to of. this apparition. You notice just something Mc, small. McCrell, as you reach for a tricorder, you realize your hand is trembling a little bit. As you feel your fingers mm-hmm. wrap around that cold metal of the tricorder, you, as you pull it closer to you, it's just a, a brief second of blinking and he's gone. He's just not there.
1: I immediately scan the area.
0: You start scanning, go ahead and roll mm-hmm. a reason science check. Mm-hmm. Difficulty mm-hmm. is one.
1: Oh, where's my sheet? Okay, mm-hmm. reason science. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I guess I can't. I don't have any talent that's gonna help me with this. One. Okay, I got two successes. Oh, what was the difficulty? The difficulty was one. Oh, great. Okay.
0: You detect. The environmental systems are working fine. You detect the oxygen levels in here are normal. The temperature in here is normal. You're not detecting mm. anything. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any sign of un- abnormal or anomalous energy readings, nothing. You detect the presence of a couple of life forms in here and they all register as your nurses and doctors that are moving through here.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to sit calmly back down at my desk. And uh, take a deep breath and schedule a future appointment with Exio.
0: You just take a deep breath and you move over your hands immediately calling up Exio's appointment file. And you enter the name McCrell into the next available appointment.
1: And as I put it down I'll just be like just in case
0: It's quiet in the sick bay for a minute.
1: I go brew another cup of tea.
0: You notice your hands are still got that slight stress, Jake. You pour a cup of tea. The ready room doors open on the bridge, and Lieutenant Vereth steps in, seeing Exio and Captain Sol. <coughs>
3: Captain. Lieutenant. Thank you for seeing me. Uh, thank you, counselor.
5: Lieutenant.
4: Sorry,
3: out of game. Do I call her counselor? Do I call her
5: commander? <laughs> oh, commander. Sure. A commander. Commander. Commander, yeah.
3: Yeah. You, counselor commander.
4: only
5: in office. Thank you. Uh,
4: I think both of you spot another bouncy ball, uh, but they're just fiddling with it in their hand to vex their commander. Do you require hydration?
2: Lieutenant.
3: I do have a, by the way, just so that we know, I have a talent called Constantly Watching where I'm always alert for threats and get an extra dice, so if you throw it at me, just know I'm going to bring (laughs) it I love it. If you throw
0: that ball at me. Sol doesn't know.
4: (laughs) Uh, No, but do you require hydration, Lieutenant?
3: Uh, No, thank you. I am well hydrated, Captain.
4: Excellent. Uh, Any nutritional supplementation?
3: No, thank you. I am well fed as well.
4: Then courtesies are dispensed with please tell us I'm told you have something about the potentially reversible apocalypse that isn't?
3: Certainly. Uh, So uh, clearly you've been briefed upon this uh, sort of five-year horizon uh, particle fountain disaster uh, theory of Dr. Yugos and Dr. Yada. Um, I believe I may have a a potential um, opportunity to learn more about it and lead to the, what did you say, reversible nature? of this uh, event? Apparently. After a conversation uh, with the doctors, I have some suspicions, and this is based, I will say, in part on a hunch, but in the spirit of following such things, uh, uh, directed to me by the doctors and learned from much experience aboard the ship, um, I believe that there is a possibility that uh, the Dominion, and in fact, potentially even our ambassador aboard ship, uh, may have had some indirect or or direct uh, uh, involvement with not only the the destruction of I'm sorry I forgot you guesses, uh species Jashians um, Jashashian uh, uh, station, but also with the uh, imminent apocalypse itself. It may be it may be worth putting him to the question uh, of why the Gorn were sent there in the first place.
4: (sighs) Again, I return to cornering Vorda.
3: He is still aboard, Uh, yes? That was my understanding.
4: He is, yes. If he had left, I would be smiling. Uh,
3: I I also uh, wanted to congratulate you, of course, all the officers on the ship for the, the seemingly successful negotiations. Thus far with the Dominion, um, I do want to point out, however, the um, uh, coincidental uh, timeline of Dominion trade and this potential apocalypse, in case you hadn't thought of it. Five years is a interesting horizon for both of those things.
4: I had not thought of them in confluence. I thought they were independently terrible things. But no, you're right. They could be synchronously terrible.
3: If the Dominion has hand in both, it seems logical.
4: So, by what mechanism do you speculate they could execute on this, such that they could take advantage of it on the five-year time horizon? It doesn't seem apparent to me that living beings should have benefit.
3: Well, the execution uh, methodology is perhaps outside of my uh, area of expertise. However, the connection seems to be through Uh, the relationships between the Gorn, um, their uh, criminal organization, that criminal organization's commander and then back to the Dominion itself through that chain, Um, it may be that they are happy to agree to limited trade in five years because they expect at least portions of the Alpha Quadrant to be chaotic during that time and that the structures of the Federation and their escorts and constraints may not be uh, available to escort them um, that maybe they will roam freely because we will be otherwise occupied with the end of the quadrant
4: and yet I understand this threatens the galaxy at large would this not be a threat to the founders as well uh,
3: in my experience and in reading uh, uh and my experience during the negotiations at the end of the Dominion war and in reading more about the founders it seems that they're Long-term vision is much longer than uh, even Vulcan's. A reset of the galaxy may still, or at least of this part of the galaxy, may d- may advantage them.
4: It is a good point, well made,
6: mm-hmm. Commander. I'm sorry,
5: Captain. I was monitoring where he was. <laughs> and. And he still looks smug as ever, I I imagine today and what the Federation has agreed, and the things he mentioned to Olin are less hypothetical, and I tend to agree with Lieutenant Vereth that But why the Gorn? Simply because they are available? And Yes. And
3: the Gorn lack imagination. Uh, They probably did not ask too much questions beyond how much and where. It's almost prophetic. If anything
0: can be said about the alignment of the universe and how sometimes one thing leads to the next or the timing is just mind boggling, you receive an indication of a return message.
4: No, 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 not him.
0: pops pops a notification pops up a reply to your message that you sent some time ago Um, you see it is under the standard encryption that you sent this message and he is sending sending a reply
5: speak
4: of the no I won't glorify him with that I contacted Taraz (gasps) (laughs) Ah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Exio, who's probably not supposed to to look delighted, <laughs> immediately like, just...
5: Can you remind me of, um, Theraz's Gorn Companion's uh, new chosen name?
0: Oh, uh, Therese, uh, Slabaz is what I believe he was calling himself.
5: Slabaz. Ah. Some kind of I a remember? god? Yes? Yes, I believe so. Well, answer it! <laughs> Bink.
0: It decrypts after a few moments, and you see it's static, and it comes, comes through, and you can tell something is wrong the moment you see his face. The charm, the panache, it's not there. You see a very dour-looking expression on his face um you also see one or two new scars um taraz the orion and all of his handsome glory looks rather worn and concerned and you see he like situates it's like somebody fiddling with a webcam and he kind of situates it for a second and he goes all right azari hopefully this is going to reach you in time uh i don't know how long i've got so i'm just going to go ahead and just tell you what i've learned The syndicate was never destroyed and I've got proof. And that's where we have to stop.
5: (laughs) I don't think we need a distress call anymore.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Campbell cliffhanger. Yes, yeah, welcome. Hi. Yeah, Hi. Uh, Hi. welcome. Ready your grip strength. We live here now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, ah. So it's super challenging. Star Trek Adventures is always a super challenging game to run guests on because the party is almost always split. And so scene bouncing is kind of the name of the game. And you guys did great. Thank you so much for playing with us tonight.
3: So, Thank so you, for you so, it's so kind. What's that? It was so kind. Thank you for it. It was so much yeah. fun. Yeah. It was a blast. We'll have to do yes. this again.
5: So much knowledge and intelligence, and so much chaos.
0: Yes. Well, <laughs> y'all's characters are now officially part of the crew. So whenever, whenever we can have y'all back, it would be great to have y'all back again.
6: You all know host. where to find us. Yes. Yeah. I do. Um. I need to go get my sure. uniform.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us tonight here on Clear Skies. Uh, this has been a very interesting episode. It's setting up, uh, setting up a lot of stuff. Um, catch us back here again so like just a quick reminder to everybody who's watching uh, we are not going to be back on the 12th we will be back again on the 19th so July 19th we will see you then Uh, until then my friends hailing frequencies are
3: closed